You're in the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. Our co-host this week, once again, is Christopher O'Brien. He is not going to appear here in, in his trickster guise. Are don't you? need to. We have a trickster coming on. Do we? Yeah, he's uh, Clifford Mahoudi is Clown Clan. He's a trickster. Uh-oh. We'll have to talk about that in a moment. Before we do that, though, <laughs> there have been some pretty wild speculation in the PowerCast forums at forum.thepowercast.com where people were trying to take us to task because we weren't asking the tough questions anymore. Mm. And I think here's a statement I'll make as you listen to the PowerCast this week. And I'm Gene Steinberg, co-host Chris O'Brien. My statement is simply this. We used to, and I'm not going to criticize anybody for it, put on guests and maybe we would ask them softball questions because they were our friends under the previous administration, as it were. I don't think we do that right now. I think we try to be as fair as possible to the guests. We're not going to ambush them unless they deserve to be ambushed. But just a couple of weeks back, we had Ray Stanford. And I know in anticipation of that, people were saying, well, okay, Chris is a friend of Ray Stanford. He's not going to ask reasonable questions. But now, since the show, they haven't said anything. Hmm. <laughs> well, I guess that's a good thing. Uh, somebody did make the observation um, a while back that uh, the less furor and response that you have on the forum uh, after a guest is on the uh, I guess the better the show was. So, you know, we haven't had that much uh, negative response, uh, very little at all, on the Ray Stanford episode. So that's uh, that's a good thing. I really, really think. What about the Don't evidence you? that we presented? Now, one of the things I asked him to do on the show was to get us some audio files. How's that coming? Well, we're he's in the process right now of going through the tape that um, that he referred to on the on the segment and. We're going to go ahead and um, do a phone session. I'm going to help him digitize it. He's never worked with digital audio before. But um, the machine that he had wasn't working properly, so he had to find another one. He's done that, and we're ready to do our session and get those audio clips up there. Now, basically, this is just an ordinary cassette recorder that he used, right? Correct. Okay, so he buys the $25 cassette recorder. You can still buy those things, can't you? Well, you can. You, you can, but you need um, you need one that has good frequency response because the type of sound that we're going to be most interested in is in a is a very low frequency sound, and some of your cheaper cassette players don't really have the ability to reproduce those those particular frequencies. So he's getting a good quality cassette player that has a good frequency response, so that we can uh, do a proper uh, analog to digital conversion. You don't know how many hours of recording we have to deal with here, do you? It's only 35 minutes uh, okay. worth of, of audio, but um, this, is, this is something that he needs to do for all his audio tapes at some point. Um, he's got many, many hours um, that he's recorded over the years um, of on-site investigations, and like his films, um, these audio tapes should be digitized. Another thing that we're working with Ray on, I have someone who's um, helping make the film to, um, you know, the motion picture film to digital conversion process a reality. Um, and this is very important because that's Ray's primary data, visual data. And we really need to get all those films that he's taken since 1956 digitized so that we can, uh, you know, we can see this wonderful footage that he's accumulated over the years. 
You know, as we were talking, I was looking over at the Radio Shack website to see just how many cassette recorders they have, and I saw just two, and those two were combos with a radio, you know, kind of a small boombox with a built-in cassette recorder. That was it. They're not so easy to get, are they? No, I don't really even think they make them anymore except, you know, as part of a combination unit. However, if you go out there and, and look in, you know, some used electronic stores, that sort of thing, uh, there are some out there, um, which is, I guess, where he got the one that he has. Right. You go to one of the specialty stores. There is a standard cassette voice recorder from Sony, which actually costs $37. But if you want to get an archiving product like an Alesis, they make audio recording equipment. It's $220. Right. So there you go. Today we have something Unusual for the Paracast. You know, in large part, we've talked about UFOs, current UFOs, not so much UFOs in ancient times. We've had that discussion also. We've also talked a few times about Bigfoot, such as the session we recently had with David Hatcher Childress talking about his Yeti book. And we had, of course, cryptozoologist Lauren Coleman on the show. We've talked about ghosts a few times. We've talked about general paranormal occurrences of all kinds with Jason Offit and Phil Imbrogno and others. But this is the kind of topic that we're going to have today that we really haven't approached. So before we get into our session with Clifford Mahuti, who is he? Clifford is the first Zuni elder that's ever agreed to do a radio interview such as we're going to be doing today. He recently appeared in the History Channel Ancient Aliens or I think Ancient Astronauts or Ancient Aliens. I'm not sure what the name of the series was, but he um, he agreed to go on camera and talk about the Zuni Indians' uh, sacred star knowledge. This is a subject that has not been presented to the rank-and-file public because it is uh, very special knowledge that certain Native American cultures have accumulated over many generations, uh, possibly thousands of years. And this is actually going to be a historic show, Gene. Uh, We've never heard, uh, to my knowledge, from a Zuni elder on the radio about anything, let alone talking about their sacred star knowledge and star people tradition. And this is um, an episode I'm really looking forward to doing. Clifford Mahuti is a rare individual. He is a world-class civil engineer, um, he worked as a supervisor for the Department of Interior, Bureau of Indian Affairs, um, civil engineering projects for Indian reservations uh, for 25 years. He's worked uh, as an engineer, mechanical engineer for Shell Oil. He's extremely intelligent, very well schooled, and he is deeply immersed into his uh, Zuni um, spiritual culture, the medicine societies and Kiva societies and clan knowledge that he holds is uh, is very admirable, and um, he's made it his um, life's work to collect these stories and, and make sure that these stories are passed along to the next generation so that they don't lose these important parts of their culture. He's a man that straddles both the white man's world and the native world, and he's a rare individual, and uh, we're so fortunate and so lucky to have him on the program today. Just a couple of questions about him. Before we get him on, how did you meet him first? Well, that's a good question. I happened to finally take the plunge after 15 years, and I went to the Laughlin Conference two years ago. 
And he just basically walked up and introduced himself and told me he was a fan of my work, that he had read my books, and that he thought that I would be very interested in hearing some of the information that he was willing to talk about. And so we struck up a friendship. I made uh, a number of trips up to the Zuni Reservation and stayed with him. He's made a number of trips down here uh, to the Sedona area. And we've, uh, we've actually become very good friends. And he's, he's a clown clan elder, uh, which is the trickster clan, basically, in Native American uh, tradition. He has a very, very good <laughs> sense of humor. Um, so this guy is a trickster. He's a trick. He's a real trickster. Uh, so we're going to have to <laughs> we're going to have to pin him down a little bit and or watch ourselves and or see watch what he ourselves. Does. Yeah. So uh, Native American, uh, you know, clan societies uh, and medicine societies. There, there is a there is a trickster clan or a clown clan in many of the Native American traditional um, uh, tribes and. Clifford is is a clown clan, uh, card carrying clown uh, medicine society member. So th- this is going to be fun. Okay, so does that mean he dresses up as a clown too? Well, when it's appropriate, yes. Uh, the rest of the time, I mean, he's very dapper. He has. Uh, he, he just looks, looks like a regular guy. He looks like a regular guy. Okay, we have another regular guy with us this week. Of course, our co-host Chris O'Brien. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Paracast. Hey, neighbors, have you been thinking about starting a website? Well, I'm going to tell you about a great offer from HostGator. HostGator is a world-famous leader in web hosting, and they make it easy for you to get your own .com domain name. You create your very own website with their free site builder tools and great selection of templates. Use the coupon code PowerCast. Once again, use the coupon code PowerCast and sign up at this special address, thepowercast.com slash gator. That's G-A-T-O-R, thepowercast.com slash gator. Fate Magazine provides true reports of the strange and unknown. Keep up with the latest on angels and miracles, psychic phenomena, ghosts, UFOs, life after death, and much, much more. To receive your free issue of Fate Magazine, call now at 1-800-728-2730 or visit their website at www.fatemag.com. That's 1-800-728-2730. What are you waiting for? Your fate awaits. Are you wondering about your retirement portfolio? Are you confident that the financial advisor is experienced enough to combat climbing interest rates, taxes, and inflation? Stop guessing and go to the expert, Robert Chapman of the International Forecaster. When you subscribe to the International Forecaster, you get Robert Chapman's 45 years of experience and concise investment recommendations. Who needs sugar-coated excuses when you can get the cold hard facts and proven investment leads you can't get anywhere else? For a free introductory copy to Robert Chapman's International Forecaster, subscribe now at theinternationalforecaster.com or call 877-479-8178. Experience the difference. When you subscribe, you can email Robert Chapman directly to obtain investment advice tailored just for you. Don't wait another minute. Subscribe today at theinternationalforecaster.com or call 877-479-8178. That's 877-479-8178. 
If the cost of your prescriptions are getting out of control, you want to listen carefully to this. RxDrugCard.com is a simple, innovative program designed to give individuals the same purchasing power as large HMOs and insurance companies. As a member of RxDrugCard.com, you'll enjoy savings of up to 80% on all prescription medications at over 52,000 USA pharmacies, including Walmart, Walgreens, and Eckerd's. Don't risk ruining your health by using cheap, counterfeit foreign drugs. This program provides savings on safe, genuine, FDA-approved medications with low membership fees, unlimited use, no age or income requirements, and coverage for all pre-existing conditions. RxDrugCard.com is an absolute must for anyone who pays for their own prescriptions. Enroll today for as little as $4.50 per month at www.RxDrugCard.com and start saving immediately. RxDrugCard.com is backed by a 30-day money-back guarantee. Visit RxDrugCard.com or call 888-216-2461. That's 888-216-2461. And now for another exciting minute from Life Change Tea. To all our Life Change Tea customers, it's sale time. Buy three, get one free. Buy three packages of Life Change Tea and get one package absolutely free. Now to all of you that have not tried Life Change Tea, here's your chance. Buy three, get one free. Clean toxins and chemicals inside your body. Lose inches off your waist and you could lose that excess weight that's been driving you crazy. And with our buy three, get one free sale, it's a great time to order. So here's how. Log on to getthetea.com. That's getthetea.com. Look for our special. Or you can call us at 928-308-0408. That's 928-308-0408. 0408. It feels good to be clean, and it feels good to lose weight, and it really feels good to save money. So order now at GetTheTea.com. Tired of searching for great talk radio? Search no more. It's good stuff. We are the GCN Radio Network. We want to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to News at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. Get in on all the action at forum.theparacast.com. I'm Gene Steinberg. This is the Paracast. And Chris O'Brien is going to be here right now to introduce our special guest. Chris? Clifford, thank you so much for being on the show. This is um, actually, as I mentioned in in the warm-up to this, this is actually a pretty historic moment. To your knowledge, are you the first Zuni elder that's ever really gone on the air uh, and done a broadcast like this? I believe I am. I, I don't know of anybody else in the village here that has done that. Well, why don't we first... Um, kind of bring people up to speed on who exactly the Zuni are. Perhaps give us some background uh, on your growing up and how uh, your culture is divided into medicine clan and Kiva societies so that people can get a flavor of this very ancient uh, indigenous tradition that you are part of that has been here uh, in North America for thousands of years. I think that would be a good place to start. Okay, well, the Zuni people are located close to the Four Corners area toward uh, New Mexico. It borders Arizona. It's on the reservation south of the Interstate 40, and uh, we're situated in an area that is part part desert and part uh, green uh, woodland area. And uh, we 
we have been here, according to our uh, history, for at least, oh, I don't know how many thousands of years. And the culture here is, uh, we're one of the 19 Pueblo Indians that survived throughout the centuries, and we're close to, like, the Hopi and some of the uh, Rio Grande tribes up to the east. We are a very distinct society or tribe because we have our own language, which is not connected to any language. The linguists have tried for many, many years to try to determine where our origin is, and they never figured it out. We are, 95% of our Zuni religion is practiced by the people here, but we also have been influenced by the Catholic Church in times past that uh, we have also that group here. But our system is primarily made up of the indigenous culture uh, of priesthood, clan systems, kachina systems, medicine order systems, and a lot of very different types of orders that are very prevalent among the Zuni people here. It sounds very complicated, uh, all the interrelationships between these different, these different groups. Uh, you mentioned the clan groups, Kiva groups, and medicine societies. Do you want to tell us how, how these, uh, these breakdowns work? Well, first of all, all the Zuni people belong to a certain clan. This was, these clans were developed in, during the creation, and it was put, put in order by what we call the star people. And the second, the, the second biggest group is the Kachina society uh, system, which all the, the young men of the village belong to. They're initiated into the system. And also the, the clan system has very many different people that have many different orders that are connected with the clan systems that are sort of leaders of different orders. Uh, for example, the Kachina system is headed by the, the deer clan and the badger clan, and no other clan will, be, will hold that position. The other clan systems are, have other orders, but uh, it depending on what uh, responsibility they have for the well-being of the community and the tribe in general, they have, have their own designated leaders. As far as the medicine order system is concerned, we're connected with the other Pueblos, especially up in the, the Kiris uh, Pueblos around Albuquerque, New Mexico. And so we have many, many different systems. And of course, there's sub subsystems within these main groups. So it's a very complex society. And if you look at a matrix, if you set up a matrix, uh, you're going to have a lot of different uh, systems interwoven in order to carry out the functions of the, the tribe in general. Just a and fast question here. How many of you are there now? There's about, the, the census says there's about between twelve to 13,000 people. Okay. Now, do you exist separate from other tribes very much or what? Well, we, like I say, we're isolated uh, physically, geographically, but we do not have any interconnection with other tribes in that as far as the, the language and the, the culture is concerned. But we, also have, but we are also connected as far as the different customs and the spirituality with the other pueblos. We are connected in many, many ways. For example, like the Hopi, we're pretty well parallel with their dances and their folklore 
and their mythology. But since we are a very distinct tribe, we ours are very specific, but we also are parallel with what, what their beliefs are. So which which clan uh, were you born into? And it is a matriarchal system, correct? The mother is the one that passes down the, the clan affiliation uh, to the children? Yes, the, uh, the Zuni is a matrilineal and matriarchal system. The uh, I belong to the Sun Clan, and because it's a matri- matrilineal, my mother is also a Sun Clan, So, but I am also a, a child of my father's clan, which in this case is the, um, the dogwood. And actually, they also have breakdowns. There's two, two groups within the dogwood uh, clan. One is the, uh, the raven or the crow, and the other one is the parrot clan. The parrot clan being the ones that are related to the people that went south, which would probably be Mexico, Central America, and so on. Okay, why don't we get into um, what, what, how do you learn, uh, how are you taken into um, the medicine lineages, and how are you taken into the kiva? I think the kiva affiliation would be the first one that you're exposed to um, as, as a young boy. Why don't you describe that process a little bit for us, and then we'll move into your very interesting uh, uh, life history. Well, first of all, the, like I said, the, the young people, the young boys of the village have to become a member of the Kachina Society, and there's a whole initiation ceremony that they have to go through, and the reason for initiation is so they can participate in, in the Kachina society activities. The Kachina society is actually a priesthood that is directly related to the, to the sky people, uh, as, as so stated in our history of the origin of the sky people and the, the adaption into the Kachina society sometime way back. And every boy between the ages of about six to about 10 years old belong, has to belong to a Kachina a society, and there's six kivas, six kivas in, in the village, uh, the Zuni people, and each one of those, uh, um, the kid that is a boy that is initiated has to, to make a determination by his godfather to take to what kiva that he should belong to. I'll tell you what, Clifford, we'll get into more detail of that in a moment. Chris okay. O'Brien is our co-host. Our guest is Clifford Mahudi. I'm Gene Steinberg. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Paracast. Okay, neighbors, here's the problem. Face-to-face business meetings with clients and colleagues are always going to be important. But business travel is a hassle, and it's often a complete waste of money. Well, here's a solution for you. Do more, travel less with GoToMeeting. GoToMeeting is an award-winning online meeting service brought to you by Citrix. With just a click, host sales presentations, training sessions, or product demos right from your own desk. Avoid the hassle of traveling and still exceed your sales goals. Plus, GoToMeeting is just $49 a month for unlimited online meetings. Plus, voice over IP and phone conferencing is included. My listeners can try GoToMeeting free for 45 days. For this special offer, visit GoToMeeting.com slash podcast. Once again, GoToMeeting free for 45 days. Visit GoToMeeting.com slash 
podcast. Where have all the military surplus stores gone? Don't worry, you don't need one. Because everything you need at Military Surplus is at MainMilitary.com. That's M-A-I-N-E Military.com. One of the last surviving true military surplus stores in the country. Go online now to MainMilitary.com and discover a source for hard-to-find surplus items at true surplus prices. Surplus gun cleaning kits as low as $2.99. Complete chemical suits as low as $11.99. See our huge selection of gas masks, filters, and accessories. Finish M10 gas masks are three for $30, and Swiss filters are three for $12. Searching for Strike Anywhere matches? MainMilitary.com has them, plus a whole new product line of survival and first aid kits and lots more. Get free shipping on orders over $50 only at MainMilitary.com. That's M-A-I-N-E Military.com. Or call 877-608-0179, 877-608-0179. MainMilitary.com, the main name in military supply. If you've used the drug Reglan or generic form metoclopramide, please listen carefully. Reglan has been shown to cause serious neurological side effects, consisting of involuntary movements of the face, limbs, and other body parts. If you or a loved one has suffered this condition, call the New York and New Jersey law firm of Oshman and Mirasola at 888-730-DRUG. That's 888-730-DRUG for a free consultation. Call 888-730-DRUG. That's 888-730-3784. If you've taken the contraceptive Yaz or Yasmin, please listen carefully. These drugs have been found to cause blood clots in the body and gallbladder disease. If you or a loved one has suffered these side effects, contact the New York and New Jersey firm of Oshman and Mirasola at 888-730-DRUG immediately for free consultation. Call 888-730-DRUG. That's 888-730-3784. Again, call Oshman and Mirasola at 888-730-3784. Hello, this is Steve Shank. Remember when Alex told you to spell freedom, F-O-O-D? Well, it was true. Food prices are going up even for eFoods Direct. This will require the first price increase in three years. Legislation is in process to outlaw growing and sharing of food. Millions of families are being forced to depend on the government to feed them. Food prices are going up for Americans because other countries are buying our food. The most important thing Americans can do for freedom and survival in these hardest of times is to get supplies of food. Because of your huge response to this buy three, get one free special, it will be continued for seven more days until September 27th. The new price increase will take effect September 28th. eFoods Direct is helping fight for your freedom, spelled F-O-O-D, every way they can. Call 800-409-5633. On the web, eFoodsDirect.com slash Alex. That's 800-409-5633. On the web, eFoodsDirect.com slash Alex. The GCN Radio Network, providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio. You guys are awesome. I love this station. I really do. GCN. You're in the Paracast. You never know what's going to happen next. Chris O'Brien is your co-host. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Paracast. Our special guests, Clifford and Mahudi, and we're talking about Indian legends and culture. Chris, pick it up, please. So you mentioned star people three times now, and I'm sure some of our listeners are going, Chris, you got to have him talk about that. We are going to get, be getting into the star people, uh, but I think the first place to start um, is the very interesting information that you imparted to me um, when we first met. 
which is the relationship between the Kachina societies and the star people. Do you want to give us um, a thumbnail sketch of how this tradition is set up and uh, what the actual connection between the Kachinas um, and the star people are? Well, first of all, like I said, I had my teachings from my elders. In the Kachina uh, society, is actually a priesthood of the star people. What I have learned uh, within the last research and, and just going through the lores and the, the rituals is that when I first uh, heard about the uh, Kachina people, when I got initiated, that's when you start learning about the system. And uh, so the connection between the Kachina and the, and the star people is that in the, in the beginning, when the earth was still young, and then the Zunis call it when the earth was still raw, in other words, uncooked. So that was in the beginning. The Kachinas actually used to come to the villages of the indigenous people throughout the Southwest. And they were scattered all over uh, what presently is Arizona, New Mexico, probably even clear up to Colorado. But because that the, the star people would come over and uh, dance for the people and go through their rituals and bringing them a lot of different gifts, such as rain, about their ways of uh, agriculture, and about uh, different gifts from the sky people, the people would become mesmerized, and they would actually fall in love because of their, their total energy and their total love, and they would become abducted, or they fell in love with these people, and they, they eventually the, the uh, Zuni people uh, would sort of sort of be so mesmerized that they would either die or they were either abducted. And according to the teachings of, of my elders, that they had to come to a truce between the sky people and the people that they come to visit to make some type of a substitution so they cannot go and decrease the population. So that's where the priesthood of the, the sky people and the priesthood of the Zuni people came to a truce to set up a system that they could emulate them and be representative of the star people. In the, in the, during that process, the star people would only come in spirit form and not appear in three-dimensional, what that they used to do. So that's in the thumbnail sketch of how the Kachina came about. So that's where the masks uh, were made, and also the protocols and the procedures were made so that, that way that they would have some type of an order that they have to follow. So it's a very complex thing. It's, it's sort of very uh, methodical, and also it's very complex on how to uh, carry out the rituals. Now, when we think of star people, Clifford, of course, we think of E.T. coming here in ancient times and interacting with the local population. So do you regard the star people as E.T.? Well, Again, the teachings of the elders are say they say that the the heavens or the sky people, the star people and the sky people. We don't they don't really explain where they came from, but just by observation alone today, if you go to any of the villages and look at the Kachinas, you can tell by their different different design of the the Kachina and the mask and the makeup in the way that they uh, make sounds or just their dress. You can, you can pretty well uh, make a connection that they are from different parts of the universe. 
if you may, and perhaps even different uh, star systems because of their their different character and their different design. So that that's one that's one way to just look at it. By but it's very difficult to really understand because there has never been any written history about it. So it's just the work that is passed on. Okay, so, so this is an oral legend. So it's like father the son, mother the daughter, whatever. Everything is oral based. There's no written or paper trail to follow. Well, yes, uh, that that is uh, correct. But there's also a formal system that they go and and this knowledge is passed on by not only by rituals but also by prayer, by chant, chants, by songs, and just by everyday practice of how they do do did things way back in the past. So there's a very, very comprehensive way of uh, uh, passing this knowledge on to the younger generation. And we have, uh, we still keep that information system and it's passed on, like you say, from generation to generation. And uh, so this is one order, the Kachina system, that's passed on by the uh, Kachina priesthood. And they're the keepers of the, the the history, the tradition, the initiation rites, and the and the uh, procedures and the protocols. Now, one of the things I guess those of us who grew up in the Western world, in terms of our backgrounds, maybe don't understand the concept of this oral tradition very much. How, when you pass this information on from person to person, do you ensure that it's accurately conveyed? Well, the First of all, the prayer system is probably the most formal one. Uh, the everyday language of the Zuni is just like any other language. There's a lot of slang in it. Then the second order is more in what we, we do in rituals. Probably the third and the fourth order are like the, the formal system where you pass this information on, and it's done by prayer. So it's done by prayer that that you repeat, that you keep repeating it, and there's a lot of tie-ins that go into other systems, but depending on the occasion, that's what, it's, it's a very uh, tough situation to explain because everything is oral, so you have to know all the things that is relevant to whatever the occasion is and whatever the ritual is and whatever the prayer involves in, but but there's also a lot of uh, parallels within your prayer system to different uh, networking with other systems in the Zuni, uh, the Zuni systems. When you say prayer, though, what you're saying is that these are memorized um, stanzas, basically, that do not change um, through the generations. They are passed down word for word, in other words. There's no, there's no room for uh, any sort of interpretation or variation. These are, these are prayers and and stanzas that are memorized word for word. Is that correct? That, that is correct. It's uh, memorized, and also there's also a lot of references. The reference, right. the time schedule, the time uh, reference is like the, the moon system or the, or, the, um, or the sun. And also, there, if you look at it from the, the, the Zuni world, it rotates uh, clockwise from where we are at, in the middle of Zuni, and they and they do it by wherever the the altars are at, wherever the springs are at, in certain uh, 
ritual ritual place, but that's also that's only within the the Katrina system. The other systems also have other reference points. For example, like in the star systems, but we really do not know the uh, the white man's terms for different star systems. I mean, we know about we know about the other uh, constellations. We know about the other uh, star uh, systems, but we have our own name for those, which we knew about them before the white man came up with their astronomy and and other references. So it's very complex. Well, we'll try to sort this out in a moment as we progress through this interview. We have Clifford Mahuti telling us about the Zuni legends, about the legends of star people in ancient times, about their culture and how information is passed from generation to generation. The co-host is Chris O'Brien. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Paracast. Are you ready to order the official Paracast t-shirt? You asked, we answered. We're now taking orders for the official Paracast t-shirt. It comes in white, 100% cotton. The front of it features the same logo that we have on our community forums. On the back it says, separating signal from noise. To order the official Paracast t-shirt, here's all you have to do. Visit our new online store at store.theparacast.com. One more time, that's store.theparacast.com. You can use a major credit card to place your order for the official Paracast t-shirt. Hey, neighbors, we have one more thing to talk about, and that's more merchandise at the official Paracast store. We have hats, we have jackets, we even have a flip video camcorder customized with the Paracast logo at the official Paracast store. It's all now available at the official Paracast store, store store.theparacast.com. Question, what would you rather drink? Acidic water, which burns holes in your body and causes loss of bone mass? Or alkaline water, which promotes high energy and vibrant health? (laughs) The answer is clear. And if you're drinking acidic water, you're helping cancer cells and bacteria to grow out of control. AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops combine a unique formula of the most alkaline minerals. Using Plasma pH Drops is the best way to alkalize your water and help you get rid of acid and regain your health and energy. Simply put 10 drops in the water you drink to raise the pH to a healthy alkaline level. Most experts agree that the water you drink should be at a pH level of 8 or higher. Disease organisms like bacteria, viruses, or cancer cannot survive in an alkaline high pH environment. Order your bottle of AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops now by going directly to AlkaVision.com. That's A-L-K-A-Vision.com. Or by calling 269-409-1776. Again, 269-409-1776. If you owe the IRS money you can't pay, then listen carefully, because you already know that the problem won't go away by itself. You can get help today from the leading tax expert in the country, Dan Pilla. Hi, I'm Dan Pilla. The IRS isn't going to just forget about you. Right now, the IRS is hiring thousands of tax collectors to go after delinquent accounts just like yours. That's why you need to take action today, and I can help. I take a simple but proven approach to solving your tax debt problem. First, I stabilize collections so you don't have to worry about wage and bank levies. Next, I build a detailed plan to get your debt reduced to the fullest extent possible, sometimes even eliminated. Finally, I work with you every step of the way to get your problem solved once and for all. So call now for a free consultation. Call 1-800-346-6829. Dan Pilla will solve your tax problem guaranteed. 
He's helped thousands of people, and he can help you too. Call us today at 800-346-6829. That's 800-34-NO-TAX. If your handgun is loaded and easy to get to, it's also dangerous. What if you could reach your loaded handgun instantly and still provide a margin of safety for your family? Introducing the Drag and Draw Gun Vault from MyQuickSafe.com. The Drag and Draw Gun Vault is a small portable gun safe for subcompact pistols or snub-nosed revolvers. It's made of heavy-gauge steel, padded inside, and uses your fingerprint to open and close. With the Drag and Draw Gun Vault, you'll now be able to keep your handgun locked and loaded without fear of an accident. See the revolutionary Drag and Draw Gun Vault in action and order yours online at MyQuickSafe.com. That's MyQuickSafe.com. Or call toll-free 877-327-0365. 877-327-0365. That's 1-877-327-0365. Or go to MyQuickSafe.com. Stay locked, loaded, and safe with the Drag and Draw Gun Vault from MyQuickSafe.com. Tired of searching for great talk radio? Search no more. I'm told that it has everything. We are the GCN Radio Network. Hi, this is Don Ecker, and you are tuned into the Paracast. Let me tell you what, you're going to hear stuff here that you probably won't hear anywhere else. Hear that, George Snorri? We continue with Clifford Mahuti, a Zuni elder, talking about Indian culture and legends and the things that, of course, are interesting to those of us who follow all this lore, especially where it conveys the impression of possible visitations by ancient astronauts, maybe. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the PowerCast. Our co-host, Chris O'Brien, picks it up. Okay, let's uh, let's talk about Clifford a little bit here. Uh, you are a rare individual, and um, you're one of the few people that I've ever even heard of, let alone met that has successfully navigated both the white man's world and your own traditional ancient culture. Why don't you give us a little background on your life, uh, your very interesting life as an engineer and as a you know, person that, that is able to straddle both these worlds. Well, first of all, I was born in 1944 during the Second World War. So right now I'm 66 years old. But right after the Second World War, there's a lot of things that were happening in this country. And being an isolated individual on an Indian reservation, you don't see very much. We didn't have any television. The only radio station we had was uh, one out of uh, KOB in Albuquerque and one out of Gallup. So that was my information system. However, the interesting part about my life was that when I started to, to go to school in a government day school that's run by the Bureau of Indian Affairs, I started uh, learning about a lot of things, and I was very curious about the sciences, and then at the same time, I was also brought up by the by elders about what I am talking about, about the different uh, culture and about the religious order systems in Zuni. By the time I was in high school, I had already uh, acquired an interest and a curiosity about the scientific world, especially in mathematics, in chemistry and biology and so on. But uh, at that time, I grew up during the the years of the Sputnik era and then into the, the space race and then I graduated from college when man landed on the moon. But between those years, I, I got to be very uh, curious about what our chants and our prayer system and our rituals were all about. And at that time, I thought it was this was so ancient 
why do we need to know about these things when it doesn't mean anything to me individually? And I said, because I did not understand. I was going through the motions. I was going through the rituals. I was trying to uh, learn the prayer systems. Of course, it was very hard. But at that time, I had very few few teachers, especially in my family, because I did not have any um, elders in my family. They had all died off by the time I was about a teenager. So after graduation from high school, well, I, I got interested in the science fairs back in the early I mean, late 50s and early 60s. So I started uh, getting involved with a lot of science fair projects. I started learning about the math, about calculus, about physics, and so on. And it was very interesting. So I kind of left the Zuni side of it sort of like in a passive mode. But however, I was still practicing the, the rituals, the, the prayer systems, the, uh, the fastings, the uh, prayer to the gods and the Kachina dances and so on. Of course, I was already in the Kachina society at that time. So I started my engineering uh, career, well, actually, my curriculum in 1962, which was during the, the space race. And so I was there through 1969 when all the Apollo series and, and all these things were going on. Of course, I was still isolated in terms of my thinking because I was going back and forth between the Zuni system and the, the white man's engineering systems, but it started dawning on me that uh, why, why do I need to know the Zuni system? Because the engineering system is a lot more, more comprehensive and it's more, um, I guess, more uh, fun, and at the same time it has more solid uh, evidence of what, what this world is all about. But at that time, little did I know that this was not the real path that was to my future about finding out a lot of things. So I graduated from uh, from college with an engineering degree in civil engineering, and at that time I was still out left without getting into the medicine order. Of course, I was Kachina. I was doing the holy the practices of the uh, the holy system in Zuni, but I still did not have any solid backing about what to expect from me to be part of the whole Zuni society system. So um, that's, that was my basic uh, understanding of where, where I was going at that time. So then, then you, uh, you got into engineering. You worked for Shell Oil, if I remember, um, for or a year or two. And then you ended up in the Bureau of Indian Affairs. Uh, you actually worked um, as a supervisor for large civil engineering projects uh, around the country on the Indian reservations. you want to give us a brief uh, overview of your work for 20-plus years uh, working for good old Uncle Sam and uh, <laughs> some of the projects that you were involved with? Prior to, the, prior to the Bureau of Indian Affairs, I worked for Shell Oil Company for about three years, and that's, that's the time that we had the first uh, supposedly the gasoline shortage in the early 70s. I, I left a the Shell Oil Company because I just did not uh, feel right about uh, doing something that was not true, which was uh, gasoline shortage. It was my job to burn gasoline, so I left that, went to work uh, with Indian housing programs, and I even came to work for my tribe here, the Zuni tribe. And then after that, I went and got a, a commission as a commission officer in the U.S. Public Health Service. After Public Health Service, 
I went to work for the Bureau of Indian Affairs because I wanted to see if I can make a dent in the organization about how they were taking care of the Indian people. I was with the Bureau of Indian Affairs for 25 years as a, um, a, a construction and uh, maintenance engineer on a lot of projects throughout the, throughout the whole United States of America. Clear up to Alaska, both coasts, uh, the Pacific Atlantic coast, and so I was involved with those type of projects. But after that, I, I concentrated on the environmental, environmental portion of it because I felt that that was going to be the, the uh, thing, been, thing to look for. This was in about the mid-80s when I switched over to environmental. So since 1985, I've been involved with the environmental program and my position at that time was a, what they call an environmental justice uh, coordinator for, for the representation of 581 federally recognized Indian tribes all the way up to Alaska and down here in the United States, I mean the continental United States. So I was quite involved with anything from uh, toxic substances to all the EPA regulatory requirements, uh, uh, reservation development, road construction, anything that has to do with environmental assessments, uh, enforcement of regulations. So I spent the last 25 years of that, and uh, so I, I became very disillusioned and because I was trying to do my job, but it was very difficult to, to get uh, the Indian tribes and the federal government to work hand-in-hand hand to get things accomplished. So that, that was one of the reasons why I took retirement three years ago in 2007 because it was very hard, difficult to get things working together among the tribes with the, the federal government and also with a lot of state agencies. Let me ask you a fast question here because this kind of relates to a lot of the other stuff we're going to go into in sure. further sections on the show. And that is the legends that you report from your culture, are they shared with a lot of other tribes? Uh, the, the other tribes have their own legends because of their specific uh, creation mythologies. Uh, the only two that are parallel uh, right now is the Hopi and the Zunis because they came from the Grand Canyon. The other cultures, like up in the Pueblos around Albuquerque and Santa Fe, they got their legends that come from the north. Uh, the creation of those. So the legends are parallel. When I mean parallel, I mean the way that the uh, certain orders are all about. For example, the clan system. You go to a, uh, any one of the pueblos, and you can always find the same clans that are here in Zuni. For example, the bear clan, the deer clan, the sun clan. You can go to one of those pueblos, and they're, the, they're parallel with those, but they're their languages are different. There's basically three groups. Uh, first of all, is the Kiris group, which are around Albuquerque, and the the Tewas, which are around Santa Fe and up north, and the Tiwa, which is T-I-W-A, which is the Sleta Pueblo south of Albuquerque, and the Taos Pueblo and Sandia tribe. I'll tell you what. We'll have to cover more of this in our next section, Clifford. Okay. We have Clifford Mahuti. Our co-host this week is Chris O'Brien. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Paracast. 
Hi, this is Ted Anderson. If you own an Apple iPhone and love to listen to your favorite programs on GCN, I've got good news for you. I'm proud to announce that GCN has a brand new iPhone app available for our dedicated listeners at GCNlive.com. Listen to your favorite hard-hitting GCN programs live or on demand right on your iPhone. And the best part? The GCN iPhone app can be yours absolutely free. Download the iPhone app today by clicking on the banner at GCNlive.com. Again, that's GCNlive.com. We the people grow cotton, weave fabric, engrave ink, embed strips and fibers to protect from counterfeit and carting to a private bank, having it led back at interest, forcing taxes to service debt. This capitalism, or was Jefferson correct when stating a central bank issuing the public currency is a greater menace to the liberties of the people than a standing army? Ted Anderson, I'm placing a free silver dollar in a book that explains our monetary system. Call for your copy, 800-686-2237. It's time to understand the system. Call 800-686-2237. That's 800-686-2237. Welcome back to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. We return for the second hour featuring our guest, Clifford Mahuti. We're talking about Indian culture and legends, and we only touched briefly on those. The co-host is Chris O'Brien. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the PowerCast. Chris, why don't you take Clifford further into this description also about his background and training? Well, yeah, one of the things that Clifford mentioned was that the Hopi and Zuni um, share a creation myth. Now, why don't we just quickly go into, uh, for people in the listening audience out there who are not familiar with the... um, the idea of the place of emergence, uh, the Sipapuna, I believe you um, uh, is the Zuni pronunciation. Um, why don't you give us a quick thumbnail sketch of how the legend of the emergence uh, of the people um, is set up and how it might differ uh, between the Hopi and Zuni versions uh, versus the Rio Grande Pueblo versions? Well, first of all, the, uh, there's a, uh, the Sipapu is, is uh, the term that is very prevalent on all all Pueblo tribes. It doesn't make any difference whether you go to Opi, or go to Zuni, or up in the north. The Sipapu is the uh, term that is used for the emergence from the underworld. In the last uh, in the last uh, world uh, upheaval, or when the, the destroyer of the last world, they had to go underground. Uh, we, as Pueblo people, we were saved by the underground people. I think the Opus have very thoroughly discussed this about their talking to being saved by the ant people. All Indian tribes, the southwestern Pueblo tribes, have legends of different types of people that are underneath the earth that are have been there since the beginning of time or beginning of the earth, and they have uh, come to their rescue in many different times. Uh, of uh, the closing of the the worlds before us, but uh, the parallels that are between the Hopi and Zuni is that we all both came from the Grand Canyon. There's a place called Sipapu, I believe, in the Grand Canyon. I've never been there, but uh, we we know about it through our songs and our rich, I mean, our rituals and our our designation when we go through uh, prayer systems. And we all we also refer to um, the fourth world. The fourth world. We we came up from the fourth world, and you can read any book on 
about some of the writers that talk about this. There's a lot of variations depending on the storyteller, but a lot of these these uh, legends have been recorded, and we talk about emergence from the fourth world. So there's a lot of things that occurred in the past that are, again, it's, uh, it's verbal knowledge, and it's passed on by oral tradition and oral uh, rituals that we know about. So we're in the fourth world now, correct? This is the, the right. fourth the fourth world that we're in now. It's difficult, I think, for some people to um, to grasp the idea of being led underground and protected while the earth goes through changes and cleanses itself and then being allowed to reemerge into this world to repopulate the world. The Zuni have some very interesting, uh, have a very interesting tradition that, it, that does vary somewhat from the other versions about how the people looked when they first em- emerged and what actually happened to allow humans to become the way they are today. Uh, you want to give us a quick uh, thumbnail on that? Well, you can look at it from uh, when, when these legends were first talk, uh, taught me many, many years ago by the elders. It was sort of like a very, very fun, funny side of it. They say that they were not anatomically, they were not right in the, with their anatomy at the right places. So, in other words, they had their, their for example, the Zuni uh, legend is that they had their their uh, their parts of their anatomy on their faces. They had uh, six fingers, they had six toes, and they were not the way that they are today. But because of the the uh, star people that they sent down here, they had to correct those correct those uh, people that had been inside the, the earth for I don't know how long, but they start uh, being in the dark and being in that uh, realm for ages and eons maybe. They start having different anatomy uh, come about, but when they emerged into the fourth world, they had to correct them. And that's where the, the twin god, twin gods of the, um, the sun, uh, the uh, the father son sent the twin gods to correct the anatomy of the uh, humans that were coming up from the fourth world. Or the so would world. this be like a genetic correction, some sort of? Uh, would that be the modern I think, equivalent? I think I think uh, again uh, because of the the parallels of my teachings, I think that when I look at it from from the standpoint of you look at it from the ritualistic standpoint, the legendary standpoint. I think this was a, a way that they they corrected them using very high technology to remove a lot of those things and put the anatomy in the right places. Especially like the genitals had to be put where it is today and the human being and then had to cut off the six fingers. And there's still uh, a lot of places like, for example, here about 20, 30 miles west of here where they still have... Uh, petroglyphs of those type of people that were like that from the origin. And which is, that which that, is where you, you, you took me. Uh, my first trip up to Zuni was to that particular canyon yeah, uh, that had all canyon. these thousands of glyphs. Mm-hmm. If uh, that canyon that I took you to, that was where they, they originated the clan system for the Zuni. And there's that big rock that they had to go through on a ritualistic to correct a lot of the anatomy on that. So that my teachings by the elders is that, that the, the twin gods, which is very prevalent in 
in all of the pueblos too. Each pueblo has the twin gods, and they're the same names. Whether it's in Hopi, whether it's in Zuni, or up in the in the Kiris country, they got the same names, and they're the twin gods. They came to to the planet Earth to correct and to lead the people out, and they were actually servants. They were also gods, but they were like like lesser gods, if you may, that uh, had specific duties to do. Each god or each space being, star person or star being, had very specific duties and responsibilities for the creation, during the creation, so that's why, but those twin gods are the ones that were very, are very prevalent in the uh, correction of the human anatomy and also to, uh, for the migration, uh, to start the migrations. It sounds like a really interesting parallel to uh, Enki and Enlil from Zacharias Sitchin's interpretations of Sumerian, uh, ancient Sumerian lore. And it also uh, reminds me of the warrior twins of the Hopi uh, stories. Now, you learned all this information after you were brought into the Galaxy or Clown Medicine Society, is that correct? Well, um, I knew most about this, but I did not know at that time. It was just teachings. Well, when you... Uh, those uh, those twin gods or warrior gods, the, it's the same as Hopi, like I said. But this information that I'm telling you right now is that I started studying this after I after I left college, after I learned, and then I I used to go to the rare book rooms in the university, and to start uh, teaching myself about what the uh, recorded history was because this information was. Uh, uh, developed by people that used to be here, by anthropologists and archaeologists and linguists and so on. So there's a lot of books that I read that has this back, background information, but I did not really uh, learn about this until I got into the society and also get involved with the, the different order systems and then to participate full-time in the rituals that we go through here in Zuni. And of course, by that time, a lot of our elders had passed on the real, true historians. My grandfather was a, was a historian of the tribe, so a lot of this information I got when I was a young, young man, well, maybe a kid about 10 to 15 years old, I did not uh, start up until after I was 30 years old. I'll tell you what, Clifford, let's continue this in our next section. We have Clifford Moody joining us this week. I'm Gene Steinberg. The co-host is Chris O'Brien. You're in the Paracast. Is there a secret UFO agenda? Do strange creatures from the darkest corners of the mind roam the earth? Is there evidence for mind control, time travel, are devious government conspiracies? Find out the inside scoop on the latest conspiracies, paranormal activity, and Fortean phenomena when you subscribe to Tim Beckley's Conspiracy Journal. It's jam-packed with stories, special book and DVD promotions, and the best news, it's absolutely free, sent right to your mailbox. Plus, a bonus free email newsletter sent out every Friday. Simply send an email with your name and address to MrUFO at WebTV.net. That's MrUFO at WebTV.net. Find out what they don't want you to know. 
gold. If you listen to the radio, watch TV, or surf the net, you're hearing about gold. Eventually you will ask yourself, is gold right for me? The answer might surprise you. We protect ourselves and our families from many things. Do you have medical insurance? Is your home insured? Do you carry life insurance? How about financial insurance? If you own gold, then the answer is yes. If you don't own gold, the question is why don't you have financial insurance? We put our faith in things we trust. Do you trust the dollar? Do you trust the economy? Do you trust the government? Gold has always been something you can trust. For thousands of years, people have put their faith in gold. Where will you put your faith? Now is the time to protect yourself and your family. Call Midas Resources today at 1-800-686-2237, extension 242. 1-800-686-2237, extension 242. And ask for Jim Parker. Let me help you get started today. 1-800-686-2237, extension 242. Before you throw away your used batteries, you need to listen to this. Now, going green can save money. Go green and save money by giving life to your used batteries by charging them with the Renaissance Charger. The Renaissance Charger uses a new revolutionary battery charging technology that effectively extends the life of new batteries and gives new life to used batteries. Invented by legendary audio genius John Bedini, this unique and patented charging system rejuvenates the electrochemical plate structure in the battery without additives, increasing capacity and maintaining cell integrity. Renaissance Charge offers a full line of products made in the USA for all types and sizes of batteries. Find out why our customers tell us the Renaissance Charger is the only battery charger they will ever use. Save your money. Save the environment. Visit us online at r-charge.com. That's r-charge.com. Or call us at 208-772-4514. That's 208-772-4514. Be a part of the revolution today. That sound could save your life. In our fast-changing world, you and your loved one may have limited time to escape dangerous nuclear radiation after a power plant accident, terror attack, or dirty bomb explosion. When that happens, you'll be glad you have NukeAlert. More than just a radiation detector, NukeAlert is a patented radiation monitor and alarm used nationwide by federal, state, and local first responders and the Department of Defense. NukeAlert attached to your keychain is always with you and on 24-7 to promptly warn you of unseen but dangerous rising radiation levels. Nuke Alert incorporates a 10-year battery backed up by a 10-year warranty. See Nuke Alert in action at KI4U.com. That's K-I, the number four, the letter U.com. When ordering anything at KI4U.com, type in GCN in the comment box at checkout and you'll get free two of their new just-released peel-and-stick rad sticker decimeters as a free bonus. Go to KI4U.com today and be ready for anything nuclear unleashed tomorrow. On air, online, and on demand. They say we offer simple answers to complex problems. We are the GCN Radio Network. We want to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And if you want to catch up on past episodes, we have hundreds of shows for you to download direct from theparacast.com. That's theparacast.com. Or check us out on iTunes. We have Clifford Mahuti, a Zuni elder. We're talking about the tribal culture, about the legends of the star people. I have a question to ask him about that in a moment. Chris O'Brien is the co-host. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Powercast. When I listen to these legends, it seems to me that almost all of the world's religions have some kind 
of legend or historical experience about interactions with higher beings, star people, etc., etc. Now, yes, we're focusing very much on your culture, but don't you think that maybe all of these religions, all our remembrances of ancient man are all pointing to the same sources? I, I believe so. Once I started uh, learning about other uh, parallels with, with, with those type of uh, legends or the history or mythology, it seems to me that all the different uh, people throughout the world have got the same uh, history, except that they had, the only thing is that they have different names. They have different uh, applications. But uh, I think that what the Zunis say is that these are people that are here, were here during the creation, so they have, they're all over the, they're all over the world, as on the planet as we know it, and they go like instantaneously to one side of the earth to the other side, and in Zuni we call them the raw people, raw in the sense that uh, you cannot see them. They're, they can become visible, but I'm sure that there's a lot of parallels to other peoples throughout the country or about the world that are of the same uh, stature. Clifford, one thing I'm curious about here, you're trained as an engineer. You're dealing with hard numbers, hard figures. Now, reconciling this with oral traditions, how does one reconcile with themselves evidence of the presence of these beings and as we say, do you relate that star people legend to the UFOs that we see today? Well, first of all, the, the Zuni people have always had history of UFOs. There have been throughout uh, the history of the Zuni people say that uh, they used to be like orbs, or they would come during times of uh, good times. Say if you're going to have a good good harvest or a good weather, they'll be here. But at the same time, they would also appear if they're going to be hard times, depending on the interpretation and and the occasion that they appear. They've always been here. We've always been told. One of the things that we do not, as Indian children, don't do is that we don't look up into the sky. That's the first thing that we are taught. As young people, do not look up into the sky because they will come come back and look look at you. So they've always been around. Okay, but that's interesting. Here, why would you not look in the sky? You don't want them to come to you. I think I think in the beginning when the, they're up there, you can see them. You can see them because if you look up into the sky, you're asking for them to make contact with you. I believe because a lot of these. Uh, a lot of these uh, things that they tell you not to do, when you ask a question like that, they say, why can I look up into the sky? They'll tell you, because you're not supposed to. And they don't have any explanation, because they don't want, I think it's a mystery that they want to keep keep that like the way it is, or because of early teachings told them, you will never look up into the sky. So that that's what uh, really was intriguing to me, because... When I started uh, looking for things like that, things, things, things started happening. I've seen UFOs since I was about, oh, about uh, when, when I turned 18 years old. And I, I've, I've seen UFOs, I've seen a lot of things because I always look up into the sky. When people in Zuni, when they, when they used to do that, they told them not to do that. So they just, you never ask any questions. 
Okay, so obviously you were the questioning sort. You saw these things. Can you give us more detail about some of these sightings? The first one, you were 18, you said? Yes, uh, we were we were coming in from Gallup, and I was, uh, we came in about 3 o'clock in the morning, coming in from Gallup, New Mexico, into the reservation. It was about 30 miles. And we saw a uh, big, bright, uh, like a sun coming up in the morning, but it wasn't, it was 3 o'clock in the morning, so it wasn't the sun. We came into this valley and we saw it all lit up, but we came into the reservation line and, and in front of us was sitting this big, big uh, uh, UFO. And um, we started uh, started fast with our car and it start, started following us back into the village. In those days, they used to have FAA stations throughout the country for airplane uh, routes and, and vortex or whatever. So we went to the airplane, uh, I mean, the FAA station to alert those people, but uh, they didn't get out. And so we came, I came home to Zuni, and I sat out there and I watched that, and I didn't realize that there was two of them at that time. This was in 1964. So this was, um, I looked up there, and there was two of them, and I waited until the sun came up, and they were still sitting up there. So I know about them since since uh, that was a real big one. But prior to that, I had seen them, but I had never really thought about it until about that time because I've seen them since I was a kid. So when the sun, when the sun came up, what did you see a structure, uh, two-structured craft, or what yeah, did they, what did they look like? They were just like uh, silver orbs, you know, like way up. They were bright during the nighttime, but when, when the sun came up, they were sitting there like, Two silver, dull silver orbs sitting up on top of the, well, you know, it's way up there in the sky. They weren't as big as what they were about 3 o'clock in the morning, but they sat out there, and the stars disappeared, and they were still sitting there. So that that was the only, I mean, that I knew then that they were not stars. You, you mentioned that uh, right back around the time period, I think it was within days of, the very famous Travis Walton abduction case, which occurred just down the road from Zuni, oh, I don't know, less than 100 miles away, that uh, you had a very interesting sighting as well with, I think, your family. You want to describe that for us? Yes, this was in 19, uh, I believe it's 1976. You know, I think Travis Walton's uh, abduction was probably about the last part of November. And the one that we saw was the first weekend in December of 1976. We were coming in from Arizona about 2 o'clock in the morning. And we are driving a brand-new car. Uh, it only had about 1,000, 1,500 miles on it. So there was nothing wrong with the car. It's brand-new. And on the right side, coming off the horizon, I saw this orb or, or orange light. And I kept... I didn't want to tell my brother he was driving and his girlfriend. So we were driving back into the village going on the east going from west to east, about two miles from the village, these things just started coming, they get, got bigger and bigger, and about about a half a mile, maybe even a quarter of a mile off the road, there's a big sewer pond that the tribe got the sewer ponds out there, and it, set, it settled on there, and about that time, our car started dimming its lights. Okay, we'll talk about the, I guess, the electromagnetic effect to your car in a moment. We have Clifford Mahuti joining us this week. The co-host is Chris O'Brien. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Paracast. 
Ray Perkins, a reclusive veteran burned out from the Gulf War, lives tortured by relentless, perplexing nightmares. Nightmares of a horrific battle in deep space and of a mysterious woman suffering in agony for her devastated world. A woman not yet born, calling across centuries to him. Then, a coincidence leads him to his destiny, his chance to alter the universe. Attack! Attack! Of the Rockwells. The former fiction editor for Star Wars and Indiana Jones, Robert Simpson, writes, The soul of the novel Attack of the Rockoids lies in its heart and passion for building a convincing tale of a love that spans a galaxy. A thrilling story. Attack, Attack of the Rockoids is available now. Read a sample chapter and get a special discount off of the cover price at our website, rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Attack, Attack. Of the Rockwell, a novel in the grand science fiction tradition. It's the end of summer blowout sale at HerbalHealer.com. Now take advantage of Herbal Healer Academy's incredible savings on colloidal silver. 500 parts per million pharmaceutical grade. All sizes from two ounces to a gallon on sale. It's simply the best colloidal silver available. And CoQ10 100 milligrams with Hawthorne. An exceptional supplement for heart and arterial health is only $19. Plus get the number one arthritis supplement glucosamine chondroitin. 60 caps for only $12. Where? HerbalHealer.com. Super Femplex and Super Maleplex, both great formulas for reproductive tonification, are on sale now. 90 tabs, only $15. Need a safe and mild colon detoxifier? Herbal Healer Academy's Colon Enhancer Large 250 Capsule Bottle is now only $18. There's so much more at HerbalHealer.com, but not much time. The end of summer blowout sale ends October 13th. New customers get a free catalog with your first order. Log on and hit the summer specials now at HerbalHealer.com. There are all sorts of things on the market designed to keep you safe when you're out and about. Whistles, mace, you name it. But for real peace of mind for parents, students, and children, you need an iSafe bag. We heard a loud noise, and I could see a flashing in the backpack. The sound was different than a car alarm, so it was a different sound. So we looked to see what it was. I think it's a great idea. Introducing the iSafe bag, a backpack that looks normal until you pull the pin. The iSafe bag emits two powerful sirens and a high-intensity strobe light simultaneously to attract immediate help. Having the iSafe bag gives me a feeling of being safe because I know when I pull the alarm, people will hear it and they'll come and help me. For mobile personal security, get the iSafe bag at iSafeBags.com. That's the letter I-S-A-F-E Bags.com. iSafeBags.com. I thank God that she had that backpack and she had enough sense to use it. It's like having a bodyguard with you all the time. The iSafe bag, the Patented bag with a built-in alarm. Available at iSafeBags.com. You've got your gold, water filters, and storable food. Now for complete self-sufficiency, make your own fuel with Revenor.com. Don't laugh. A quality still from Revenor.com and our free book included with every still is all you need to beat the high cost of gas and stop dependence on foreign oil. Find out how easy it is to legally make your own alcohol fuel at R-E-V-E-N-O-O-R.com. Or call 503-662-4173. Revenor.com. Find quality alcohol still. Did somebody say stills? That's how Grandpappy made his own sour mash, and you can too. Revenue stills can be used to make brandies, liquors, whiskey, vodka, and more, all perfectly legal with a permit. You should check into having your own Revenue still at Revenue.com. That's R-E-V-E-N-O-O-R.com. Or call 503-662-4173. One-year warranty on all stills from Revenue.com. Fine quality alcohol stills. 
How do you spell hard-hitting talk radio? G-C-N. The Genesis Communications Radio Network. You've entered another dimension. You've entered the Paracast. Clifford Mahoudi joining us, and we're all laughing at the way that Chris O'Brien says, The Paracast. At least he doesn't do it like a trickster anymore. Oh, God, we're in trouble now, ladies and gentlemen. I will not even begin to try to explain what that's all about. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in The Paracast. We're talking to Clifford Mahoudi, and we are immersed in his UFO sighting. On your car, the lights are dimming. Let's pick up from there. Okay, so we, we were looking at each other, and I said, and then I told my brother, I said, look, it's, it's what the heck is that over there? And about that time, it must have been, I would say, at that distance, it must have been about eh, about 50 feet in diameter, from about a quarter of a mile off the road, quarter to a half a mile off the road, about 50 feet in diameter, sitting up on above the sewer ponds, and then sort of like an orange to greenish light beam just shot down. In the meantime, our car had just died. There's nothing. When we went start, the lights went out, and everything died. So we said, let's, let's get out of here. And the village was about, oh, about a mile, half a mile away. And it was about, now it's about 3 o'clock in the morning. It was December, the first weekend in December, so it was cold. So we start, we got out. We started running, in, started running into the village. But I, about half no, I'm not even a quarter of a way down, maybe about uh, close to the village. There's some culverts in the highway. They're about three feet in diameter. They said, we cannot run this. Uh, it's too cold. We cannot run as fast as we like to. Let's just walk. Let's just hide in there until that thing goes away. So we got into the culvert, and we sat in there for, uh, I don't know, maybe about an hour. And then... It was so cold, I said, we got to get out of here. So we, we got out, and that thing was still sitting there when we got out. And by this time, there was no beam that went down down into the sewer ponds. So we started, again, walking toward the village. We could see the village from uh, from the highway, but it was it was really cold. It must have been about, oh, maybe about zero degrees by that time. And so we saw a car, or we thought it was a car, coming down in the back of us, coming from Arizona. And I said, whatever we do, let's just get in front of that car so we'll stop. So this car took a long time to come. It must have been only going about 10 to 15 miles per hour. By the time that car caught up with us, we were in the middle of the road. We were waving our hands. We were trying to tell him to stop. And it finally stopped. And without asking any questions, we just jumped into the car because it was cold and we had to get out of there. We were scared. We jumped in the car and the car started moving. But it was really strange because the uh, dashboard of the car looked like one of those old-timer cars about 19, I'd say about the 19, right before the Second World War vintage. And the reason that I knew that was because there were these straps that were in the back seat that used to hold in the old cars. They were hanging like that. And, and I saw the dashboard, and it looked like a green light. 
And I saw the guy that was driving it, but I couldn't really make out the details of his face or whatever. He wasn't talking. I was jabbering away. I was talking to him. And in the back, there was a guy sitting in there where my my brother and his girlfriend jumped in. And this guy was holding uh, two dolls, a Raggedy Ann and a Raggedy Andy dolls, and just looking at us. They didn't say anything. And we were just jabbering away and saying, did you see that thing that just stopped? And, and, and they're still sitting there and just kept going about 10 miles per hour. We finally got into the village and it started turning around. And, and it did not, what, one thing that was very uh, peculiar was that that guy did not stop at stop signs. And we kept going around the village. We finally got in front of our mom's house and we said, let's get out of here. We opened the doors. We finally got out. I don't know how we got out, but we... We got out, we walked into the house, and this is about, now this is about 4 o'clock in the morning. It's still dark. We got into the house. I told my parents that, <laughs> told my parents what we had gone through, and they sort of didn't believe us. And then uh, my brother was already in bed, so he got up and he said, what's going on? So I said, come over here and look at these things. In those days, I had night vision uh, binoculars. And we went out the back door, and right on top of our house was this this UFO sitting there. And when I looked up there, and on, there was a bone-like structure over there, and I could see things walking around in there. There's about three or four of them. And I was looking through them with binoculars, but I couldn't really make out the details on that because this is like looking at a... Um, a stadium, football stadium, with people walking up there at a very uh, huge distance. You can't really make out the details. It's kind of fuzzy, and so it sat there for a long time, for about maybe 15, 20 minutes. We just got back in the house, and and we just forgot about it. I mean, we just got scared, and we went back in there. Clifford, this is one of the like, – I've heard lots of stories uh, in reports of – UFOs extending beams, uh, apparent, apparently of light, down into bodies of water. But to be honest, this is the first time I've ever heard of a UFO extending a beam down into a sewer lagoon. Do you think they were emptying out the bilge? Uh, or <laughs> this, this is a pretty interesting detail. I've never, I've never actually heard that before. That's that's pretty fascinating. I don't know. I think uh, my first. I mean, after I thought about it, I said maybe they were picking up some type of a. Uh, because there are a lot of algae forms in there, on the sewer ponds. Being an engineer, you know, there's there's a lot of algae that grows in there at that time of the year, right uh, before tur- turnover. You know, the winter and the summer turnovers, and winter time there's a lot of algae growth. That that's why in the springtime when it overturns, you can smell a lot of sewage all over the place. So I don't know. It's that's one thing that was very peculiar about that time. Now, this was one, about a week or maybe within 10 days of the Travis Walton experience. In that, if you took that, you took the distance right there, it's probably about less than, well, maybe about 100 miles between where he was picked up and and where we were at. But after that, it left, and we never saw it. But there's a lot of experiences that a lot, of, a lot of people have told me in Zuni about those type of encounters right here in the village. They actually come down here, especially during wintertime, during our, our uh, what we call our Shalako festivities in the, about the first week in December. 
Now, you mentioned a very interesting canyon that's um, east and southeast of the village where for quite a, a number of years it appeared that these objects seemed to be coming and going from this particular canyon. And there's um, some sort of taboo spot there, a cave that the people aren't really allowed to go to or it's strongly uh, suggested not to go there. Do you want to describe uh, some of the sightings that have happened there? Well, there's a lot of uh, different... Uh what we call our um, places of uh, reverence are all around Zuni. There's a lot of sacred places. As a matter of fact, all over the southwest. But on this particular canyon, that canyon goes, I would say, about, oh, maybe about 30 to 40 miles. It comes out there uh, towards a place called Fence Lake, uh, Kamado area. And that is a place where a lot of UFO activity perhaps happens because they come out of that canyon. I saw one that came out of there probably about the early 70s, and he was a huge one. It's a huge one. A friend of mine that uh, was in that canyon, they actually spotted one over there, or over their camping site. And I believe uh, my friend Dan told you about that, Chris. Yeah, exactly. That was quite an interesting story. Um, they were walking back uh, and camping in the canyon, and uh, Dan woke up, and there was a huge object covering right over him. And he woke, his, I think, his brother up, who wanted to shoot it with a rifle. <laughs> so, yeah. not, not advisable, I, don't, I, I would say. Uh, we don't want to shoot down those UFOs because there's always the fear they may shoot back at us. We have Clifford Mahoudi joining us this week. I'm Gene Steinberg. The co-host is Chris O'Brien, and you're in The Paracast. Are you ready to order the official Paracast t-shirt? You asked, we answered. We're now taking orders for the official Paracast t-shirt. It comes in white, 100% cotton. The front of it features the same logo that we have on our community forums. On the back it says, separating signal from noise. To order the official Paracast t-shirt, here's all you have to do. Visit our new online store at store.theparacast.com. One more time, that's store.theparacast.com. You can use a major credit card to place your order for the official Paracast t-shirt. Hey, neighbors, we have one more thing to talk about, and that's more merchandise at the official Paracast store. We have hats, we have jackets, we even have a flip video camcorder customized with the Paracast logo at the official Paracast store. It's all now available at the official Paracast store, store store.theparacast.com. If you're in a service business, that's money ringing in your ears. If your phone's not ringing, chances are it's a problem with your marketing. Landscapers, painters, roofers, carpet cleaners, pet sitters, handymen. Anyone with a residential service business can build a huge and loyal customer base fast with the Magic Yellow Flyer. No more expensive newspaper, yellow pages, or internet pay-per-click ads. The Magic Yellow Flyer will have new customers calling you within one week. The Magic Yellow Flyer marketing system is the most effective and inexpensive 
inexpensive way to build a referral-only service business in a short period of time. And the Magic Yellow Flyer comes with an outrageous one-year guarantee. You will get new customers or your money back. For details, go to magicyellowflyer.com. No matter what business you're in, the Magic Yellow Flyer marketing system will work for you. Visit magicyellowflyer.com. Put the Magic Yellow Flyer to work for you today. Visit magicyellowflyer.com. Can you live with minor aches and pains? Maybe. But oftentimes, those won't-go-away pains become so debilitating that we are not able to do things we used to, like go for a walk, garden, or even button a shirt. Now, restore normal function naturally and give yourself the freedom to move with Recovery Extra Strength. Over-the-counter drugs will stop the pain, but at the expense of your liver. Recovery Extra Strength is the number one solution for pain and inflammation. It contains Nutricol, a unique proprietary blend of green tea and grapes, and is made in Canada under strict Health Canada oversight of natural products. If you suffer from arthritis, bursitis, tendonitis, back, or other aches and pains, use Recovery Extra Strength. Call 866-543-3388 or go to RemarkableRecovery.com. Get free shipping on orders of $50 or more when you use checkout code GCN Radio. Call 1-866-543-3388 or go to RemarkableRecovery.com for Recovery Extra Strength for pain-free mobility. What is a wind generator? How can the wind produce power for a small cabin? How can wind energy be stored and used during an emergency? Can I assemble my own wind generator? For answers to questions about wind power, visit windbluepower.com. Did you know the wind could provide your family with emergency power? It can with a wind generator from windbluepower.com. Learn how our amazing LightBreeze wind generator kits start charging a 12-volt battery and just 6 mile per hour wind. Or see the new Cyclone X2 dual kit featuring two wind generators on just one tower. And learn why schools and universities across the country utilize our products to teach about wind power and alternative energy at windbluepower.com. All kits qualify for a 30% IRS tax credit for residential energy efficient property. Enter coupon code RADIO for a 5% discount at windbluepower.com. That's windbluepower.com or call 800-976-0026. That's 800-976-0026. Tired of searching for great talk radio? Search no more. I just want to hear more of it. We are the GCN Radio Network. You're in the Paracast. You never know what's going to happen next. Co-host is Chris O'Brien. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Paracast. We're talking to Clifford Mahuti. And we've been mentioning, at least for the last few minutes, UFO sightings that he experienced, that other people experienced. Do you think, perhaps, because so many sightings are occurring there on the reservation, that maybe you're being singled out for some reason? Mm, no, I don't think so. I think uh, we all, with the teachings are that they've always been here. And, uh, again, going back to what I said previously, is that in times of good and bad, depending on what it is, I think the reason that they're appearing more often is about the things that probably be happening pretty soon, especially right now with, with the people all over the world going through a lot of turmoil and also with uh, a lot of uh, uh, the weather problems and a lot of different uh, activities related to the earth itself. I think that these are, our teachings are that uh, they will be coming prior to, to what may be happening in the future. And this has, uh, we have not seen this much UFO activity, but 
and starting about 19, about 1980, about the late 80s to about now. We, we see them almost on a nightly basis over here. Does anyone have any photos of these things? I think there's a lot of, there's a lot of photos here, but uh, it's very, again, it's taboo to uh, talk about these things among the Zuni people because of their teachings. They always, uh, they always tell us, they say, well, that's not good, uh, you're not supposed to take pictures, whatever. Why I mean, is it taboo? Well, because it's a, it's a bad omen. According to the teachings, it's a bad omen. So, so are you saying that the UFOs are piloted by evil beings then? No, it's, it's a warning system. It's a warning system of what may happen if you do not follow the teachings. I believe this is what, uh, why they're appearing more often over here because we're not following, the Zuni people are not following the protocols they were given centuries and, I don't know, eons ago. Uh, they're not following the teachings. I believe this is why they're, they're in constant uh, appearances now than ever. So you're saying then that the beings or whatever in control of these UFOs are aware that people aren't following the teachings somehow? Telepathy, what? Well, uh, yes, uh, that, that, that is correct. Uh, they, my uh, analysis of what uh, is happening based upon, again, my teachings and what they talked about is that they believe that they're appearing for many reasons, and one of them is that they're not following the protocols given by them in the beginning of the earth. They're not following the practices that were given as far as rituals are concerned. They're not even in sync. They're not in sync with the time schedules, which is the moon system and the sun system and the seasons. They're, uh, the Zuni people are not following what uh, is supposed to be ritualistic scheduling, and they're also not uh, following the orders that they are given uh, to do, especially those people that are head of a lot of different priesthoods, a lot of uh, societies, a lot of medicine orders, and also the people in general, they're now following what we have been told to do, given by the star people, and I think this is the reason that they're appearing more often. I don't think that it really has anything to do with what may be ha happening as far as Zuni is concerned, but I believe it's because what the rest of the world is doing. Because the Zunis were put here to be protected by those uh, for the future, and that's why they're here where we are at. Same way with other tribes, the Hopi, for example. Do you find also, Clifford, that more and more of the members of the tribes become assimilated in the outside world? They don't come back to your reservation to live? Well, that is, especially the younger ones, yes. Uh, it started happening... Uh, these ancient teachings were kind of let loose right after World War II and, and towards the, uh, I mean, during the Johnson administration of the Great Society. This is where we started losing the, the, uh, the practices, and that's why we're, we are now sort of in a downhill slope as far as uh, gaining our uh, rituals and, and keeping intact the, the teachings that were given us many, many whatever, many eons ago. Now, well, when you discuss UFOs, a lot of times where you see UFOs, other events occur, such as strange creatures. Are there legends, for example, of Sasquatch, Bigfoot, whatever you want to call it? Yes, we have many, many legends. Uh, 
the, again, let me go back to uh, what I said earlier about these people, the, the literal meaning of the those type of uh, creatures or beings, or they, they are referred as raw people. And they also, uh, they can appear in, in three-dimensional form if they want to, or the same way with the other beings that uh, that can come to you in also terms of good. If you ask for uh, certain ritual uh, practices to help out the society, they will also appear. And they say that the Zunis' uh, literal meaning is that they go by the air. The literal meaning is that they go by the air. In other words, they just float. They're right here. That's why every day in our in our practices of the Zuni way, we are sitting here with them. We are standing here with them, but we have to stand behind them and at their feet. We're we're supposed to be very humble because they're here. They're watching us all the time, and they're called. We we refer to them as the watchers or the um, the keeper of our ways, and they know exactly what all of us are doing. It doesn't make any difference what order or how how high you are up in the order system. They know exactly what, what we're doing, what, what I'm doing. And that's why that's why when people violate them, there's no uh, punishment because they say, well, the raw people will take care of them. So this is why this is why it's uh, reiterated to all of us that if you don't, it's up it's up to you. If you don't want to do this then we'll let the raw people take care of you. That's what they tell you. There's no punishment. Your friend Rick, when I was up there a couple of visits ago, had a, he lives on the kind of on the edge of the village, and uh, he mentioned a series of uh, Bigfoot encounters that he had that were quite interesting. Do you, uh, do you want to relate uh, some of those uh, interesting accounts for us? Well, Rick, is, he lives up on a place called Black Rock, which is about, oh, maybe about three miles from here. It's up on the he lives up on the plateau up there, and one time he was coming back from Gallup, New Mexico, and about oh, about a couple miles from his house, they came across this road, and they they came upon a Bigfoot uh, character, creature, or whatever, and they he was right in the middle of the road, or side of the road, he said, and then when they put the lights on him, they stopped and they put the lights on him, and he just walked across the pavement. The pavements are, oh, I'd say about, oh, maybe about 12, 15 feet across. He said he just took a few steps across the road, and he went over there, and he he just went over a barbed wire fence, which usually are about, oh, maybe three or four feet high for um uh, right away, and he just stepped over it, so it must have been about 8 to 10 feet tall. And uh, when he saw that, uh, he, he said he got scared first, but then he got out a scream, I believe he said, after he left, and then about two or three um, nights later, he also heard a, the, the same scream, and pretty soon he would uh, hear the screams, and then later on it just went away for a while. Then he said that he kind of got lonesome for his scream because he, he knew that he was a living being, and uh, he he was kind of wondering whatever happened to, 
to him, but he said that after he thought about it, then he would come back and he would um, make a, a scream again to let him know that he was still around. But uh, there's a lot of, uh, also other people have seen uh, something like that in this one road that goes uh, from Zuni into Gallup, sort of like a back road, but it's, it's paved now. So that, that one canyon is, is full of uh, creatures that a lot of people with psychic powers don't even go through there because they're afraid of them. Well, I'll have to stay away from there if I ever visit your tribe. And I think I'm going to want to do that. I'm going to want to travel over there and learn more Especially about it. Especially at night, Gene. Yeah. You, you, you I'll bring my son down. with me when he's home from Spain so I have some moral support. Yeah. <laughs> Our guest this week on the PowerCast is Clifford Mahudi, a Zuni elder. We've been talking about Indian legends, but more modern experiences involving UFOs and strange creatures. By the way, we want your reaction to all this. As always, go to forum.thepowercast.com, forum.thepowercast.com. Sign up. It's free, and that gives you the chance to participate in the discussions. We're not up to you. Our co-host this week is Christopher O'Brien. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Paracast. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. If you own an Apple iPhone and love to listen to your favorite programs on GCN, I've got good news for you. I'm proud to announce that GCN has a brand new iPhone app available for our dedicated listeners at GCNlive.com. Listen to your favorite hard-hitting GCN programs live or on demand right on your iPhone. And the best part? The GCN iPhone app can be yours absolutely free. Download the iPhone app today by clicking on the banner at GCNlive.com. Again, that's GCNlive.com. Hi, this this is Ted Anderson. Have you ever wondered why banks, stockbrokers, investment advisors won't talk about gold IRAs? They've been available since 1986, yet the financial industry won't recognize the value of gold for your retirement. Gold has outperformed paper investments, yet no word about IRAs. If you would like to have gold for your retirement, call 800-686-2237. Don't get left behind by rising inflation and low returns. Call 800-686-2237. Secure your future and call 1-800-686-2237. Welcome back to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. We have the final hour with Clifford Mahudi. We're talking about Indian legends and culture and strange paranormal events. Our co-host is Chris O'Brien. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the PowerCast. Before we go on, we do have one question, another question from our forum. It comes from one of our moderators, Angelo, who happens to be a skeptic, by the way. Okay? So understand where I'm coming from, Clifford. Here's what he says. A lot of what I've heard as evidence regarding this topic comes from native art. Having studied First Nations art, I wonder why we need to turn to the paranormal to explain it. From all I've heard on the subject, the more plausible and accepted theory around the interesting figures in the art is that they stem from myths and dreams. Okay, so... He also asked, why do we need to make the jump to ETs? Keep in mind, I have learned what I know about the topic from a professor, that is First Nations, Timmy Scamming, I guess that's what he calls it, Timmy Scamming. So it isn't like I picked it up from Wikipedia or something. I understand the artwork and nothing leads me to believe that it has to do with aliens. I have a feeling I'll be shaking my head through most of this episode. 
So he's a skeptic, Clifford. What do you have to say to him? A lot of those paintings that uh, Indians develop are like probably from uh, the interpretation of themselves putting it on, uh, say, like sketches or paintings. But a lot of these uh, paintings are related to those that uh, where they got the information from was probably from the, the same books that he's talking about, maybe from different archaeologists and anthropologists. A lot of your anthropologists and archaeologists, uh, for example, they call the Kachina uh, society a Kachina cult. Uh, a lot of them say that they invented this probably about uh, right after Chaco culture had disappeared. But uh, they've always had that, so the interpretation will never be there unless you actually go over there and sit down with the Indian people, American Indian communities, and have them explain to you where they came from. According to the different uh, tribes, the interpretation is the hardest one. That's why you would take some, you would take a, a Native American from that particular tribe that has the background and the teachings, say like in uh, mythology or anthropology, to actually make that interpretation. This is where I come in from, from that standpoint, is that it took me about 40 years to interpret what is on paper, what is the teachings, and to uh, parallel or, or connect it with, with what the, the rituals are all about. A lot of these Information is esoteric because you do not hear this outside the kivas. You do not hear this outside the medicine orders. You cannot hear this outside of the, even the minimal uh, society systems unless you actually know the language and uh, unless you actually participated in this type of rituals. There's no way that you can make that connection. I understand that the paintings and the, the pictures and whatever can be made and say that, well, there's a connection there, but until you really understand it and, and become part of that Indian tribe, then you really never will know. So then how do you explain it to the rest of us? Well, like I say, uh, you have to really sit down and understand on a one-on-one basis to each one of those, uh, say like for a painting, what is this guy trying to interpret here? Sure, it's a dream, but a lot of us have a lot of uh, dreamscapes, too. We go through that. Uh, it's an experience. It's not only a dream, but it's also an experience. We see these things in our, uh, when we're dreaming and when we, when we put it on paper. It's just like a musician. A lot of your music is, is derived from a higher being that is put on paper, and you have that, that flow that goes into your, your, uh, your music. It's the same thing can apply into your art. Where it comes from, it's a mystery. But we do not question that. Uh, we do not try to analyze it. We do not try not to dissect it because it's just the way it is. I think another good example would be the petroglyphs. If you went over there and tried to explain the petroglyphs, that's another, that's another different arena as far as uh, interpretation is concerned. These people that made the petroglyphs Saw, actually saw those things and then put them on the rock so that they can have a reference to it. And another person then can come over here and make a wrong interpretation as to what that individual had put in centuries and centuries ago. So it's very difficult to explain. It sounds like uh, it's not as, it's, it's the, 
outsider attempting to use their points of reference to do the explanation as opposed to going to you know the lineage or the source of the particular creative uh, picture petroglyph and getting the information as it's understood by the indigenous person I, I think you bring up a very good point there one of the other um, incidences that you mentioned early on when we met was a very curious event that occurred uh, on the reservation there where what was described as a thunderbird crashed against a cliff face and then sat there for a number of days. Uh, would you like to relate that story? That, that's a really intriguing one. This is in a village called um, Nutria Village. They had villages, farming villages throughout the uh, reservation out here. And it's about, oh, maybe about 20 miles uh, due east, um, uh, northeast. Uh, people used to live out there in those villages. They also had orchards and farms and all that. But this particular incident occurred probably probably in the early, uh, I would say about the early 20s maybe, uh, or maybe in the 30s, because we don't have any clocks here. We don't have any calendars. You just say that what this occurred. There's a... Um, it's right next to the Continental Divide, and there is what they call the hogback that runs uh, north and south parallel to the Continental Divide, and it's a village out there. Well, this this lady used to be uh, live out there with with her husband, and during one rainstorm, uh, it was a heavy rainstorm at nighttime, and next day. Next morning, when the, this man went out to work on his farm or or his uh, field out there, he he they heard something the night before, uh, like a a big uh, thunder and a big uh, noise that happened. And then when they came out the next day, of course the, the the clouds were gone and the sun was up and whatever. And there was a it looked like a they call it for lack of a better term a thunderbird or a a, uh, a living thing that was plastered against this big hogback uh, rock up there, I would say about 20 or 30 foot off the ground. And that, that thing stayed up there for about uh, two or three days, I believe. But in those days, when people saw things like that, they just kind of left things alone. They did not uh, try to uh, interpret it or they didn't try to, they didn't have the curiosity go over there and see what it is. They just observed it, and they said about the fourth day, I guess it came to, and he flew off again. But that thing was huge, according to the stories that are told over here. So it must have been some type of a, a living thing, maybe uh, like a pterodactyl or, or uh, what's that other one, the giant moth, mothman type thing, or something that flew and it hit there during the rainstorm. So that that's one of the that's one of the stories that are told over here. And there's many more like that. Well, these are things we're going to have to explore as we go along. Very quickly before we split for our next segment of the episode, what about UFO abductions? Are you having incidences of those? No, I not that I don't know if that's uh, there's a lot of things that are happening right now, uh, but it really is not abductions. Uh, I think that they're doing a lot of bad things right now. I've heard of uh, spiritual people saying that there's a lot of things that are, uh, a lot of activity around the Zuni Reservation that is not good. Uh, even clear 
uh, people down in New Zealand and Australia talk to me about these things, but uh, I don't know whether that... Uh, they say that there's a lot of blood around the western edge of the reservation. I'm going to want to ask you about that in a moment. Clifford Mahoudi joining us this week. Our co-host is Chris O'Brien. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Paracast. Hey, neighbors, have you been thinking about starting a website? Well, I'm going to tell you about a great offer from HostGator. HostGator is a world-famous leader in web hosting, and they make it easy for you to get your own .com domain name. You create your very own website with their free site builder tools and great selection of templates. Use the coupon code PowerCast. Once again, use the coupon code PowerCast and sign up at this special address, thepowercast.com slash gator. That's G-A-T-O-R, thepowercast.com slash gator. For 58 years, fate has provided true reports of the strange and unknown. Fate brings you the latest in all aspects of the paranormal, like angels and miracles, psychic phenomena, ghosts, UFOs, and much, much more. To receive your complimentary fate magazine, call now at 1-800-728-2730 or visit their website at www.fatemag.com. That's 1-800-728-2730. What are you waiting for? Your fate awaits. Are you wondering about your retirement portfolio? Are you confident that the financial advisor is experienced enough to combat climbing interest rates, taxes, and inflation? Stop guessing and go to the expert, Robert Chapman of the International Forecaster. When you subscribe to the International Forecaster, you get Robert Chapman's 45 years of experience and concise investment recommendations. Who needs sugar-coated excuses when you can get the cold hard facts and proven investment leads you can't get anywhere else? For a free introductory copy to Robert Chapman's International Forecaster, subscribe now at theinternationalforecaster.com or call 877-479-8178. Experience the difference. When you subscribe, you can email Robert Chapman directly to obtain investment advice tailored just for you. Don't wait another minute. Subscribe today at theinternationalforecaster.com or call 877-479-8178. That's 877-479-8178. Men, when you want the spark back in your love life, when you want to bring back intimacy, when you want to please the special woman in your life, use Mojo Ryzen. Mojo Ryzen is a safe, revolutionary herbal sexual formula for men that combines ancient Chinese school of thought and modern science to significantly support stamina, performance, and pleasure. Mojo Ryzen is a proven 100% natural product that works the first time, every time. Mojo Ryzen works even after consuming alcohol. Mojo Ryzen will not give you unwanted side effects. Mojo Ryzen will allow you to give your partner what they deserve. Try just three capsules of Mojo Ryzen and if not completely satisfied, send back the remainder for a full refund. Buy Mojo Ryzen at mojo-radio.com. That's mojo-radio.com. Or call toll-free 1-877-330-1120. That's 877-330-1120. Go big, go strong with Mojo Ryzen all night long. Where have all the military surplus stores gone? Don't worry, you don't need one. Because everything you need at Military Surplus is at MainMilitary.com. That's M-A-I-N-E Military.com, one of the last surviving true military surplus stores in the country. Go online now to MainMilitary.com and discover a source for hard-to-find surplus items at true surplus prices. Surplus gun cleaning kits as low as $2.99. Complete chemical suits as low as $11.99. See our huge selection of gas masks, filters, and accessories. Finish it. 
Ford M10 gas masks are three for $30, and Swiss filters are three for $12. Searching for Strike Anywhere matches? MainMilitary.com has them, plus a whole new product line of survival and first aid kits and lots more. Get free shipping on orders over $50 only at MainMilitary.com. That's M-A-I-N-E Military.com. Or call 877-608-0179. 877-608-0179. MainMilitary.com, the main name in military supply. Ten years, a decade of talk. Great talk radio is here on the Genesis Communications Network. We want to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. Get in on all the action at forum.theparacast.com. We have some more time to spend with Clifford Mahuti. We appreciate that he's joining us with a lot of very fascinating information. The co-host is Chris O'Brien. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Paracast. Okay, blood. Are you talking about people being harmed or what? I think this is uh, the things that are, again, going back to the uh, things that are occurring because of certain activities related to the rest of the world. In other words, there's a lot of war that's wars that are going on. There's a lot of strife within within the Zuni reservation. And I believe there's a lot of invasion, not only about people, but also of other uh, bad actors from the from the uh, the space arena. And I think this is occurring because there are certain things that they're probably seeking. They're probably seeking ways to find out what uh, what is happening among the Indian tribes. I've had a lot of people talk about uh, the Indian tribes still have the spiritual connection. In, in other words, they still practice a lot of the, the ways that were given by the Creator. And I believe that a lot of these, uh, if, you, if you made the ETs or trying to make up for what they had lost with their advanced technology. So I think that that's what they're looking for, and they're trying to find out what is happening, because we kept a lot of this, uh, a lot of these protocols in, in practice. But at the same time, uh, it's just like anything else. There's good and bad, bad aliens or good and bad space people. I mean, it's just like that throughout the whole universe. There's good people and there's bad people, so... I think a lot of these are bad people that are trying to uh, take some type of a, uh, a resource that they have, whether it's uh, whether it's with the Indian tribes themselves or whether it's with the Earth itself. So uh, it's very hard to uh, de- determine because we were not uh, told of these things in, in legend form or in our teachings. But you were, you do have a very rich uh, prophecy, uh, tradition of prophecy. And um, like the Hopi, the Zuni have uh, pretty specific things that they've been looking for down through the ages to give them an indication of where we are in the circle of uh, the cycle of life and the circle of time. Uh, how about if you, you address and, and talk about the prophetic tradition as it, uh, as it occurs in the Zuni tradition? Well, you know, there are, there's a, I think most of these are, were, were theories that were, were put into practice. And then 
you know, like uh, when theory becomes a fact, uh, that that's when you said, oh, that's what they were talking about. The things that are to happen has, has, has happened already. And one of the things that uh, I've talked to a lot of the elders from other tribes is that they talk about overpopulation, for example. There will be all kinds of people that will be occupants in the land that we have right now, and I think this is this is occurring right now. And one of the things that is of concern to the elders of the tribes through their teachings is this overpopulation of different peoples, not only not only of the people that are within their own uh, land, but also peoples from other other uh, races in other parts of the, the world. So that's that's one thing that they, they talk about. Illegal aliens. The illegal aliens from the south, yeah. Continue. The other, the other thing, too, is that, is that if the Zuni people do not follow the ways of the Creator, they will fall apart and their religious orders and many, many things sacred will be lost. We have been seeing this since, like I said, the end of the Second World War end of the Second World War II. Uh, there's a lot of reasons for that, and of course the biggest one is that uh, we became like white men. Uh, we became uh, used to being uh, other things other than doing our ritual practices, and we have uh, adopted a lot of different ways. Uh, for example, we didn't have electricity, we didn't have television, we didn't have microwaves, we didn't have uh, cars, so and then we're not following up our, the way that the Creator had set us up to be. So we're, we're on the other side of the fence. And, and that's what the elders used to talk about. When we become white men, then all things will be lost. And it's just simple as that. I mean, there's a lot of logic behind that. Well, where are we in the uh, fourth world process? According to the Hopi, uh, in, a, in a lot of pop culture, uh, <laughs> new age interpretation, uh, there is a popular uh, conception out there that we're at the end of the fourth world. Do does your culture feel the same? Well, in the Zuni way, there used to be their time clock used to be. If you look at it, uh, the literal meaning is that the time schedule is on on by a cat, you know, like a a feline. And in nineteen about the nineteen fifties, they say that we are now at the if you look at it from the head of the cat, go all the way on the back, over to the tail, if that's the Zuni uh, time schedule. In the 50s, the old people used to talk about, we are now at the end of the cat's tail, which means that we're at the, we're at the verge of the end, end times. So about 1960s and 1970s, they said that we have fallen off the end of the cat's tail. Which means that we are now in the uh, we are now in the stage of turmoil, which we no longer have the uh, that uh, capacity to control what will happen after this because we already violated a lot of this different systems that were put in place by the Creator. So that prophecy was talked about when I was a young man, and, and I used to just say, well, you know what. That's kind of that's kind of strange. I mean, you know, why why would they talk about these things? You know, why you know they're what, why the end of a cat's tail? Why don't they say there's a clock or there's a certain thing? But but that's just so 
the way that they used to do it, it's a lot of like parables. It's sort of like, um, sort of like um, references to a certain things because that's the only thing that they had as far as schedules were concerned in the old days. So in other words, it's not like a series of, of uh, prophecies that are fulfilled as in the Hopi tradition. Uh, examples would be uh, the spider webs in the sky, uh, the, you know, the railroad tracks, uh, the telegraph wires, that sort of thing. Um, it, you don't have specific descriptions of benchmarks, let's say, in history um, that, are, that are, have been reached in, and fulfilled to indicate how far down or off the cat's tail that we are right now? Well, yes, there, there has been. Uh, there's so many of them. Like, for example, they knew about the coming of the white man and when the Spanish first came over here. And they, they, they knew the priesthood, and I guess in those days they had prophets that knew about those people, but at that time they did not realize that they were going to be as treacherous as they were when, when they first encountered them. I'll tell you what, we'll get into more of this in the next segment. We have Clifford Mahuti. Chris O'Brien is the co-host. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Paracast. Is there a secret UFO agenda? Do strange creatures from the darkest corners of the mind roam the earth? Is there evidence for mind control, time travel, are devious government conspiracies? Find out the inside scoop on the latest conspiracies, paranormal activity, and Freudian phenomena when you subscribe to Tim Beckley's Conspiracy Journal. It's jam-packed with stories, special book and DVD promotions, and the best news, it's absolutely free, sent right to your mailbox. Plus, a bonus free email newsletter sent out every Friday. Simply send an email with your name and address to MrUFO at WebTV.net. That's MrUFO at WebTV.net. Find out what they don't want you to know. When you hear the words water purification, what comes to mind? If it's Berkey Water Purification Systems, this message is for you. Did you know that over 60% of municipal water contains fluoride? Add less than two cents per gallon. Berkey water filters purify treated and untreated water, remove dangerous chlorine, fluoride, and contaminants from municipal water. These filters are powerful enough to purify stagnant pond water, making them perfect for rainwater collection systems. From the smallest to the largest systems, BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com has what you need. With your system purchase, you'll receive a shower filter, a fluoride filter, or two sport Berkey bottles absolutely free. BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com would like to offer GCN listeners 5% off all ceramic filter systems and ship all orders over $50 free of charge. Visit BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com. That's BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com. Or call 1-877-99-BERKEY. That's 1-877-99-BERKEY today. If you owe money to the IRS, you can't make the problem go away by yourself. But with the help of Dan Pilla, you can get your problem solved once and for all. Hi, I'm Dan Pilla. For 30 years, I've helped thousands of people solve their tax debt problem, and I can help you solve yours, too. We take a very simple but proven three-step approach to solving your problem. First, we stabilize IRS collection action so you don't have to worry about the IRS seizing your bank account or paycheck. 
Next, we build a comprehensive plan to get your tax debt reduced to the fullest extent possible, sometimes even completely eliminated. And finally, we work with you every step of the way to get your problem solved once and for all. Call us for a free consultation. Call 1-800-346-6829. We'll work together to get your problem solved guaranteed. Dan Pilla has been protecting taxpayers from the IRS for three decades, and he can help you too. Call us today at 800-346-6829. That's 800-34-NO-TAX. Attention, an important product from HempUSA.org, Microplant Powder, will change your life by removing all types of positive toxins, such as heavy metals, parasites, bacteria, viruses, and fungus from the digestive tract and stomach wall so you can absorb nutrients. Microplant Powder is 89% silica and packed with a negative charge that attracts positive toxins from the blood, organs, spine, and brain. This product has the ability to rebuild cartilage and bone, which allows synovial fluid to return to the the joints. Silica is a precursor to calcium, meaning the body turns silica into calcium and is great for the heart. There is no better time than now to have microplant powder on your shelf or in your storage shelter. And with an unlimited shelf life, you can store it anywhere. Call 908-691-2608 or visit hempusa.org. It's a great way to change your life. So call 908-691-2608 or visit us at hempusa.org today. Tired of searching for great talk radio? There's a, a wide range of stuff on here. We are the GCN Radio Network. Genesis. You're in the Paracast. You never know what's going to happen next. We have Christopher O'Brien as our co-host. The guest is Clifford Mahudi, a Zuni elder. We're talking now about prophecies in general, I suppose. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Paracast. So let's be more specific about this. They predicted the arrival of the white man. Let's go to something more recent. What else was predicted accurately? Well, well one of the things that was predicted was that uh, the literal meaning, I mean, the saying in the Zuni was that our furniture will eat us alive in our homes. That was one of the things that really puzzled me for a long time. This was now, again, I learned this. And this was before computers, this was before television, this was before microwave appliances. And I believe this is what this is what's happening right now, is that because the interpretation was direct, in other words, that uh, they did, well, this was way, way back. They said, our furniture will eat us alive. I think this is what's happening right now. If you look at microwave technology, radiation, and so on, and it's eating us alive. The other one that they talked about was there will come a day when the earth will become dark, whether by the atmosphere becoming obscure or the blockage of the sun. That's also another prediction. The other one is that the earth will flip over, and it's happened in the past according to the Zuni, Zuni uh, mythology. He said that we all will also will have a reverse of polarity, and they say the world will literally flip over. The other thing is that there will be a rumbling of the earth, and it will not cease. When the Taos hum first came about, this is why a lot of Indian tribes were becoming concerned. I, I believe it's still, I think that's a prelude to the rumbling that's going to be happening. The vibrations will, will cause the earth to open up, and that's where the bottom creatures, like the, the furry little 
fur little creature guys in Bigfoot will be coming out. And, of course, the biggest one that uh, they talked about was that towards the end, there will be a foul odor which will envelope the earth. And that foul odor will be will be all over, and the Zuni will be part of that, that foul odor. And in the last time when, when this up, uh, happened, that was when they had, I believe, when they had the volcanoes. When you said foul odor, I did think volcanoes, but I wanted to ask you here, is this like the 2012 predictions at all? Is that when all this is going to happen? Well, I, I believe, well, it's, it's coinciding with that. It's coinciding, of course, uh, you know, 2012, if you ask, ask Zunis about that, uh, you know, he's got a blank stare, but in my way of thinking, I believe this is part of that whole process that's happening all over the world. Because, again, Zunis are very isolated. They don't have the interpretation that is uh, like like I am doing. They don't have the analysis, and they don't have the uh, back-and-forth um, interpretation of what what is happening with the, for example, the 2012 predictions and and also what their own predictions were. But I believe it's, a, it's on the same schedule. Well, I find it very interesting that there's correlations uh, with the Hopi prophecy of the world flipping over uh the maya uh for instance have a prophecy of the sun not coming up one morning um i'm seeing very interesting parallels that um sound like it, it, it there's a good likelihood that they're all connected way back in the in in some sort of prehistorical times when all these legends i think were first really really uh began and there seems to be a connecting point uh in a lot of this well what do you think uh clifford uh do you feel that there is hope uh, for the Zuni people? Uh, are the are the stories uh, being passed down and the traditions being conveyed uh, enough so that the culture is going to survive in, in in a fairly pure form? I believe that the the Zunis will survive just like in the past. I I believe that there will be they will also go into some type of a protective uh, environment. You mentioned earlier, Clifford, about going into caves to avoid being harmed during natural or unnatural cataclysms. So you go back to the caves? I think that uh, what I have, what I think, uh, just on the interpretation alone, I think the next one, instead of going back into the underworld, I believe it's going to happen to go up into the upper world, which means the sky. Now, I've had a lot of uh, uh, correlations with a lot of other tribes to say that I think they'll be picked up by the, the Space Brothers, if you may, while all this thing is happening. And I believe that instead of going back down under, I think that they're going to go up to the heavens and to be saved there. We'd have to have a lot of space people, though, to handle how many people would be involved here? Well, you know, it's a, they got. I believe that uh, you know, any, as the Zunis say, anything is possible because they're magical people. They can they can create a whole world up there, for sort of like a holding holding tank, if you may. And and after everything is done, they can be uh, put back down there. But I think most of them would not survive anyway, according to a lot of uh, a lot of uh, things that a lot of the Zunis talk about. A lot of them will be, some of us will be destroyed. 
One of the things I wonder about here, one of the predictions, or not so much predictions, but the theories about UFOs, higher beings, etc., is that they are interdimensional. They're not coming from a star system here, but in a parallel world, which is why they are here so often and so ever-present. Well, I think that there are parallel worlds. Uh, again, the, the Zuni uh, were, were here. If you look at the creation myth, myth they, were, they had to have come from somewhere prior to that coming out of the, the Sipapu and Grand Canyon. So they must have had come from a different world prior to them being over here. And that's what, if you really go deep into it, I believe that they were put over here from a different world, maybe because of their worlds that were destroyed over there. So, But it, it will continue. I have, no, uh, I have not heard anything anywhere where you'll be destroyed. The, the, the people will be destroyed according to our legends and our mythology. We will, they will continue, but it's going to, the, the question is how are they going to survive? And I think this is, a, this is one of the things that were lost many years ago, and I think that it's still here, but again, it's become a very uh, hard analysis because a lot of those people that had, had the knowledge are no longer here, which are, you know, they pass on and they, they did not pass on the knowledge. One of the things, of course, we worry about when we have prophecies like this and we have oral legends is we have a whole bunch of people out there who are going to say, well, there's no written record of this. Why should we believe it? It's just some people who believe different things and different stories. Well, that is true. Um, but the thing about it is in, in our way, way over here, we just say, well, you just sort of accept it as uh, what is going to happen. And you, and you sort of... Uh, I guess work your uh, whole life around that, and so the attitude becomes whatever will be will be, and so that uh, because in our prayer systems we talk about when the day comes, the the raw people again. This could be the the uh, connection from the space gods will be the ones who will take care of us. So that's that's the way that they they sort of uh, wrap it up. Whatever will be, will be, until that day comes, will be protected by those. If you had followed the protocols and if you had followed the, the system that was given us. So that's what keeps us in, in line. So, that, uh, so that's basically what it is. It's very difficult to explain or, you know, to uh, interpret what, because there was no, again, no written language, and there was nobody to interpret it. So I just picked these up, and I just analyzed it from, from my stamp. I'll tell you what, we'll analyze this for one more segment. In a moment, we have Clifford Mahuti. Our co-host is Chris O'Brien. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in The Paracast. Are you? 
Are you ready to order the official Paracast t-shirt? You asked, we answered. We're now taking orders for the official Paracast t-shirt. It comes in white, 100% cotton. The front of it features the same logo that we have on our community forums. On the back it says, separating signal from noise. To order the official Paracast t-shirt, here's all you have to do. Visit our new online store at store.theparacast.com. One more time, that's store.theparacast.com. You can use a major credit card to place your order for the official Paracast t-shirt. Hey, neighbors, we have one more thing to talk about, and that's more merchandise at the official Paracast store. We have hats, we have jackets, we even have a flip video camcorder customized with the Paracast logo at the official Paracast store. It's all now available at the official Paracast store, store store.theparacast.com. If you're a regular listener of this station, then disaster survival is vitally important to you and your family. Long-term food storage, water filtration, emergency food preparation, and quality survival products are not just talk topics, but a way of life. We strongly believe in being prepared for any emergency. We are foodandwaterstore.com, owned and operated by people who are into emergency preparedness. And because we are preppers like you, we own and use the products we offer. You'll find quality name-brand proven products like Global Sun Ovens, Wonder Mill Flour Mills, Mountain House foods, Seychel and Berkey water filters, and many more, plus videos and articles at foodandwaterstore.com. 90% of our customers are return customers because of our low prices and excellent customer service. We still believe the customer is always right. Discover what your family needs to weather any storm at foodandwaterstore.com or call 1-877-773-7123. Foodandwaterstore.com, helping you prepare for the storms of life. We all know that Berkey Water Purification Systems are the most trusted name in water filtration. As an authorized Berkey dealer for over five years and serving thousands of satisfied customers, the Berkey guy offers amazing specials for Berkey Water Filtration Systems. The Berkey Light Systems include a set of self-sterilizing and recleanable black purification elements that purify water by removing chlorine, pathogenic bacteria, cysts and parasites to non-detectable levels and remove harmful chemicals such as herbicides and pesticides. Order the Berkey Light System today complete with two black Berkey elements for only $209, and the Berkey guy will include three sport Berkey water bottles and ship everything to you free of charge. That's right, three sport Berkey water bottles and free shipping. An $87 value, yours free. Call the Berkey guy at 1-877-886-3653. That's 1-877-886-3653. Or order online at goberkey.com. That's goberkey.com today. Are the threats of a biological attack to the U.S. real? If biological warfare is real, what should I know before it happens to protect my family? The answers to the unthinkable are inside a new book by Christian patriot and author Sam Adams, Pale Horse, How to Survive a Chemical or Biological Attack. Inside what's been called the must-have manual for surviving the attack and mass panic that will follow, you will learn what the actual biological and chemical threats are, how to respond to events that are almost certain to happen, what the government's response is likely to be how some will take advantage of the chaos, and exactly how you should prepare to get Pale Horse, how to survive a chemical or biological attack in hard copy or immediate digital download, go to BioWarSurvival.com or call 877-327-0365. That's 1-877-327-0365. Or buy online at BioWarSurvival.com. That's B-I-O-W-A-R Survival.com. This is not your father's BioWar Survival Handbook. 
America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are the GCN Radio Network. Hi, this is Nick Pope. You're listening to the Paracast. You'll notice, ladies and gentlemen, every time Chris does the Paracast, the voice gets deeper and deeper, and soon it will blow out the speakers on your radios. <laughs> I'm going for the Walter Cronkite. This is Walter Cronkite. And that's <laughs> the way it is. <laughs> Our guest this week is Clifford Mahudi. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Paracast. Our final segment of this particular visit. Okay, Clifford, so the people out there who don't believe anything that you're saying, how should they look to this to try to find whether it's true or not? Is it a feeling? Is it research? Is it what? I think that the only way that they can they can really uh, analyze it is to actually go out there and visit some of the the tribes but that's the other thing too is that it's very difficult to look for the right person to to get the information from so i think that uh, what need what they need to do is to perhaps uh, make contact with those people that are connected to the different tribes throughout the southwest because the the southwestern indian tribes and even the tribes up north have a lot of connections as far as uh, written history is concerned now that they've written a lot of these prophecies. But I think that the way to do it would be to uh, talk to those directly from the tribal people themselves. Uh, it's great to, to learn about the other works from, and, and I have a lot of respect for those people that took the, uh, the legends and the, and the teachings from the Indians in many, many books by the, the uh, anthropologists, archaeologists, and so on. But I think that the best way to do that is to actually go out there and sit down with those people and have them explain to you. But that's the hard part. You've got to get their trust first. I think what, what Clifford is saying is that we need to uh, take the first step on our own and cultivate personal relationships on the reservations. Um, I've been uh, uh, doing this for quite a number of years. I was very fortunate uh, to meet Clifford and very fortunate to meet a man who is walking in both worlds and is able to uh, interpret some of these wonderful myths and legends and put it into a modern context. And the only way that you can really do that is to gain the trust of, of indigenous people. Um, need I remind our listeners that uh, Native Americans have really uh, have been used and abused um, throughout history uh, since Europeans arrived here. And uh, there is a natural distrust for white people on the reservation. It's, it's, it's almost genetic at this point. And it's a rare person like Clifford who is willing to talk about these subjects and give an informed uh, interpretation of some of these wonderful myths and legends. And uh, one of the things that, that I found fascinating is Clifford mentioned to me that uh, there's more than one place of emergence uh, uh, for the Zuni people. Uh, and this is information that I had never heard anywhere else before, and, and I, I just find it fascinating that you know he, his version of the emergence of the medicine societies, for in, instance, the, the sacred societies, is that they have a different place of emergence, uh, which is located uh, near a very strategic U.S. government facility. Uh, Clifford, uh, do you feel okay to talk about that? Well, the, the medicine societies... Their origin is uh, right outside of uh, Los Alamos, New Mexico. It's a place called ben Bandelier National Park, and the medicine societies emerge from there 
And it's my understanding that there's a lot of uh, vortices over there. And uh, there's vortices all over the uh, all over the southwest, but that is the main vortex for all the medicine societies, which is right there at Los Alamos Nuclear Labs. And so that uh, the origin of those, they distributed them throughout the whole southwest. And so the medicine orders are the same. They speak the same language almost. And so this is the practices are basically the same, but again, the language is different. So you're saying that the medicine societies from all the different Pueblos um, share this commonality. You're not just talking specifically about the Zuni medicine societies. You're talking about the entire Pueblo medicine society system. Yes. And uh, each medicine society came from different parts of the different parts of the country, and they have their deities from different parts of the universe. I mean, just just because they emerge from the earth itself doesn't mean that they came from the earth. That's just where the the vortex came came in from out there, down to the earth, and they emerge from the earth out here to the southwest. So well, that's it, why they have a lot of references. Well, this is interesting because if there is some sort of uh, civilization-ending uh, series of events that. Uh, seems in some people's minds to be uh, imminent, if the medicine societies end up going back to Los Alamos, won't they need some sort of uh, uh, special uh, <laughs> clearance or, or a badge or something to get in there? That is a huge caldera with tons of lava tubes and used to be a super volcano, well it still is, uh, that exploded. And so the whole area there has tons of underground uh, cavern systems and lava tubes. Are the medicine societies supposed to go back there before Earth changes, or is it more like you said before that um, that uh, it's going to be different? That we're actually going to be going up instead of down? Well, there's again, it's very complex. There's because uh, Zuni uh, is made up of many, many different complex societies. So there's really no specific specific uh, ways to say that here's what's going to happen during that time. But the only the only thing that they know about is again through the prayer system when they say when the time comes, our um, leaders or our uh, uh, watchers or our spiritual people will be the ones that will guide us back into whatever is supposed to be. So there's no really uh, a special route, there's no really a special way to say that this is what's going to happen, but it's all, it's all a setup. It's a setup like, in order to get to that point, you wait, and we will tell you then. So there's no, uh, there's no specific roadmap, if you may, on a lot of these things, but in, in the prayer form, in the esoteric system, they say that they will, they will tell you when the time comes. So you don't question that. We never question that. We don't ask the question about, well, where do we go after this? Or uh, why, why is it such a mystery? You just say you accept it, and you go from that point on. So we don't know. Let me well, ask you here, Clifford, now that you've made kind of this introduction to general society and explaining this, where do you go from here? Do you have a website where we could do some research? Not yet. But you're planning on uh, putting together a website and giving uh, people who are interested a place to go? I think this will be great, but uh, we'll have to work on that. Okay. 
Well, you know, one thing I want to uh, reiterate here is this is very historic uh, to have someone of your stature and knowledge to uh, be uh, open enough and to be uh, gracious and trusting enough to go on the air and talk about these, these things. Uh, this is a very uh, intriguing subject. I'm, I'm really happy and, and um, actually um, I'm honored that you have uh, selected the Paracast as a place to go and, and, and broadcast this information. You know, from me personally, I want to thank you, and I'm sure a lot of our listeners out there are going to find this information extremely fascinating. And we really appreciate, uh, and we're grateful that you've uh, come on the show. And we'd like to do it again at some point uh, if you're if you're okay with that. We'll have to talk to Gene about getting you back on. But uh, I think that this was a wonderful show. I really, again, thank you so much for uh, for agreeing to talk with us about these subjects and. Uh, and, um, you know, we all have to just live our lives in a very positive way and live by the golden rule, you know, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. These are the end times. Chris, we're just about out of time. Chris, tell our listeners where to find more things you do. Oh, uh, I have a website, OurStrangePlanet.com. Uh, it's all my books and stuff are there. And, of course, I'm on the forums. Hey, neighbors, would you like to become a part of the Paracast team? Well, here's what we're looking for. We're in search of an experienced online sales and marketing specialist, selling ads for websites and also radio spots, and expertise in marketing the show, also marketing for search engine optimization. What a big term it is. If you have regular broadcast experience, that's a huge plus. To find out more, please contact us. Send your resume to sales at thepowercast.com. That's sales at thepowercast.com to become, to become part of the Powercast team. Next week on the Powercast, we'll feature Mark Pilkington. He's the author of Mirage Men. The co-host will be Nicholas Redfern. And we want to thank Chris O'Brien, our co-host this week. And a special thank you for Clifford Mahoudi for joining us this week on the Powercast. Thank you very much. Thanks a lot, Gene. Thanks, Clifford. The Paracast is a copyrighted presentation of Making the Impossible Incorporated. Tune in next week for a new adventure in The Paracast.